Yeah, we oh are. Oh my god, it came through. It came through. What, were you expecting not to be here? I was worried. That little like p period like of uh, black right there, I was a little concerned, to be honest. But <laughs> fortunately, uh, all is good now. That would have been um, my welcome. fault more than yours. So yes, you that's in, good. In I'll, clear. I'll take that. That's okay. But uh, <laughs> I'm having some troubles on the internet from my end, so hopefully we can improve that. Yeah, thank you everybody but, uh, for watching live, sticking through. We started a little late than usual, but it's all good. We're here and everything's going to be fine. It's going to be beautiful, and I'm really excited to have our guest on episode 119. Ooh. Our very special guest, Phil Gripper. Um, very excited to have him on. Phil's uh, in my age bracket, so he's been around in skating for as long as I can remember, and he's a fellow East Coaster. He's a fellow drummer. I'm excited to cool. get into all his uh, everything with him. Hey, Austin, you know, we got three drummers on the podcast hey. now, so this should be, this should be fun. Um, so, yeah, I got so much to talk about with him, but before we do, if you don't already know, I got to do my spiel. So here we go. If you don't already, please follow us on all follow us on all of our social media platforms. Go to our Facebook, give us a like. We have a YouTube. If you like what you're hearing, press the subscribe button and the notification bell so you can get a, a notification when we have a live show going. We have a iTunes. So if you like what you hear, please go give us a five star rating and a, re and a review. Um, if you want to just share our stuff or comment, that's really helpful as well. And we also have a Patreon. You can be a Patreon for as little as three dollars a month. And when you're a Patreon, you get access to a lot of our online um, exclusive content. We have Inside Outs, which are trick tips. We have three pieces. We have section reviews. We just recently watched uh, the battle between Calvin and Rollinson Rivera on our last episode on our with, and Patreon. So that was really fun to go through that with him. Yeah. Also, if you haven't seen that episode, please take a chance to go check that out. Episode 118 of uh, Rollinson Rivera is a New York City legend, and it was really cool to catch up with him. So check that out. Um, and that is my my spiel. So thank you for bearing with me through it. If you've heard it as many times as you know, a long time. Now for my spiel, which is to thank Whoa. all of our new Patreon supporters this week. Since our last episode, we want to give a special shout out to Ronnie, John Nicely, Mr. Wedgwood, Jack Patrick, Juan Carlos C, uh, Sarah Jane, Noel Lopez, and Greg Martin. Thank you all for being a part of our Patreon community. If anybody is interested in joining who isn't a member yet, uh, click the link in the description of this YouTube video below. Or go to, if you're listening, go to patreon.com slash jumpstreetpodcast. A lot of goodies on there. And speaking of our last episode with Rawlinson, um, wanted to give a, a couple shout outs to some cool comments from the YouTube video. Uh, first one is from Juan CS, who says uh, Rawlinson went with the Rossi's team to Medellin in 97. He was already talking about the computers and things. Very friendly dude. F oh, hang on. Very friendly dude was doing a fish brain on the side of this really tall ramp thingy. This was one of the best conversations you had on. I hope you guys make the hoax reunion possible. It's essential, which he's true. We've been talking about this hoax reunion for a while on a few episodes. So we have all the pieces. We just have to put it all together. That's true. Yeah, that's that, that's really cool. I remember on uh, on my trip to Colombia in 2010, they were saying that um, no one had been, no pros had been to Colombia since Rawlinson Rivera. So that oh, I can <laughs> validate that from the Colombians that uh, that it had been a while and they had did go there back in the day. So that was really cool. Damn, that's a that's a big gap since you went there. What year did you go? Oh, 2010, you said, right? 2010. So, yeah. Oof. Damn, that was a while. Yep. 13 years. Oh shit. And then uh, afterward, like Bellino went in Montre, so that's a cool little fact. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of cool skating in Colombia. I went there too after you. South America is out of control. There's so much talent down there, and there's so much good skating. So shout out to. 
the entire Absolutely. South America. You want to shout out every country, the whole continent, <laughs> the whole continent though. Everyone's just, it's, I love it. I got to get back down there soon. You guys are repping hard. Uh, we have one more comment from curb surfer who said, this is, it starts off funny because I wasn't looking forward to this episode straight up. Mm-hmm. A few people have managed to paint Rawlinson in a bad light over the years, but Rawlinson is a really cool down to earth guy. I'm so glad I watched this podcast and found out for myself that Rawlinson is a nice dude. Not exactly modest though. That's Rawlinson for you. He's a he's a super nice guy. Um, he's out there. He's in your face though. He's a uh, Dominican from New York, so that's, that's what you got to expect. It, 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 it's not cockiness. No. It's confidence. No, it is confidence. Full confidence. It's confidence. Yeah, that was a great episode though. Check it out if you haven't already. Yeah. Episode one eighteen with Rawlinson Rivera. Um, we have also we have a Patreon giveaway this month, yes, don't we? I missed that before. I was just looking at that now. Um, if you are part of our Patreon community, we put everybody in for a random drawing once a month to get one of whatever you want from our online store. So we have all 325 of you in here. I can't see because my microphone is blocking the screen. Here we go. Pick a name, and one person is going to get whatever they want from our online store, and that is Leroy. So congrats, Leroy. We will send you a message to reach out to see what you want from our online store. It could be a t-shirt, could be a Jump Street hat, a mug, whatever you want. We got you. Thank you for supporting our show and our Patreon. And we have our WTF, of course, as usual. WTF of the week this week comes to us from this France. Is a bit of th- this is a bit of a throwback WTF, but... Kind of, but not really. Still- it's still pretty oh, okay. recent. From Julian Cadeau. This was from um, 2020, but still, this is like... I've never seen anything like this before. 360 wall ride to what is it, like a flat spin out or a backflip out? Yeah, well, that's like a, at least a flat spin and maybe a backflip. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, someone in the comments, let me know. That's yep. a little more backy than than flatty. <laughs> I don't know. Backy than flatty. I can't. I can't. I can't even call that one. But his orbit's into... all out of whack. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, 360 wall ride to flat spin or backflip. Or both out of it, which is yeah. Let insane. us know what you think in the in the comments on that one. That's yeah, a that, tough one. That was really cool, but I never seen anything like that before. That was awesome. So no. shout out to Julian Cudo, still killing it. Uh, give him a follow on Instagram too. He's got a lot of cool flippy stuff going on. It's hard enough to three sixty into a wall ride. It's hard enough to three sixty. E- everything's hard. Who cares about the wall ride? It's hard enough to three sixty. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I started point. I started uh, wizard blade training with Taurus today, and I felt like I didn't know how to roll a blade. It was an insane feeling trying to learn. So are you doing it? You're getting into the, the I mean, I've been, I've been trying to kind of, but I never really had anybody to show me physically like what the maneuvers are and stuff. So this is my first time actually skating with Torres and having him show me the ways of it and how to do it. I learned so much in like a few minutes with him that I was doing wrong for the last like year and a half or year or something like that. But yeah, I'm figuring it out. I've been wanting to learn it for a while, so I'm going to do what I can to figure it out. I see Colin Kelso on the Wizards too now. He's uh, oh no way yeah Colin's been, that. he's been posting him on it on his stories doing the wizard stuff and he is already killing it also his you could just imagine Colin like his swivels and stuff like that his maneuvers like it's it's gonna be real interesting to see what he pulls off on yeah. those things well he he's a, he is a wizard yes so he is definitely he, a wizard he's a, he's he's a wizard on some wizards so um, <laughs> wow Perfect. that's exciting yeah I was uh, yeah. I was looking at Jake Cabot's stuff recently on on wizards and I've was really impressed. A lot of these wizard guys are like kind of winning me over. I'm still like feeling weird about uh, when I'm on them, but I haven't tried any that really fit my feet. So yeah, no, I was super weird. I'm still weird. But today when Taurus physically showed me like in person, like the way to do things and how it works, it made way more sense. And it was much easier. Um, 
if you haven't seen uh shout out to Tom Moyes, if you haven't seen his latest video that dropped today, actually, uh, about trends in skating for 2022, wizard blading is up. So invest in wizard blading 2022. You will reap the benefits okay. at the end of the year. <laughs> so now, now, now you know it's it's Bitcoin, Dogecoin, wizard blading. You got to do your investments. Those are the three in that order. Diverse, diversify your portfolio. It's important. Yeah, diversify your bonds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, should we move on to our guest? Yes. <clears throat> I think we've been keeping him in the waiting room for long enough. Sorry about that. No, that's it's fine. We're having a nice little chat. Um, but everybody, please give a warm welcome to our special guest, Phil Gripper. There we go. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? What's good, everybody? Dude, it would have been perfect if you had like the uh, machine like you play with and like the like an outfit, like a astronaut outfit, like intro. Uh, yeah, I should have hit the moon main intro. Yeah. Damn, cool you could have done your own theme song for this episode. We didn't think about that. And that man, we got to be better at planning. <laughs> next, <laughs> next time we have you on, we'll do that. Right. How you oh, doing, yeah, man? How's everything? Uh, that I think uh, that's a 360 wall ride to hot flip. Hot flip. You remember the hot flip? It's like a sideways flip. I thought a hot flip was with your hand, no? Nah. Nah? Okay. Uh, you remember aggressive inline? Frankie Morales. Hot oh. flip. You just do literal side. Flip. Oh, I got you. Okay. I'll go with like, that. I like that. This is the motion. <laughs> that way. It's not a front flip. Wow. That, that one. It's like a starfish. Okay. <laughs> that, that, if you don't succeed what will happen <laughs> flipping is like another like language too though. flipping is like another language too it's like the wizard skating stuff it's like you don't really know the tricks or how you're doing it you just know that it's crazy and it looks cool because there's so many flips that like vert skaters have done and just these crazy park on feasts and stuff like that where i have no idea what they are they're just flipping and spinning and shit and it's like it's all sick i just don't know what it is or what they're called different language it is a different yeah. language yeah how about that uh, Brazilian guy? Is his name Daniel or something? That's like yeah. 15. It's for USD and does like 16,000s. That was our WTF yeah. last week, 1620. Amazing, man. <laughs> and he's like the a young kid too. Yeah, the future is here and it's scary. <laughs> it's wild, man. And it's, it's awesome. Wild. Yeah. yeah it's good. Well, it's good to see you. Good to catch up with you. Uh, you know, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to dig a bit into your story, go through everything you've been through a lot in skating. Um, I see my screen's freezing up a little bit. I hope my audio's not. The audio's good. But, okay, good. So, um, you know, you've done everything from start a skate company, do a skate park, do all these things with uh, Oso and, you know, community stuff and working, uh, you know, within charities and, and all these really cool things and music and everything. But... You know, I like to start the show in a, in a nice timeline. I know you're from South Carolina, and I'm curious how you got into skating from the early days because I know you're in my age group and you've been around skating for quite some time. So I'm curious to know uh, how you started and how it all began. Yeah, man. Um, the first time I ever saw rollerblading was at a Barnum & Bailey circus. And I don't know, I think I maybe it was like 11 or 12. I was really young, and they had this setup where it was like, uh basically four quarter pipes that met in the middle to make a fly box that you could go either way on 90 degrees and uh they had bikes skateboards and rollerblades and everybody was just doing this show busting flips and spins and i was attracted to the rollerblades out of all of them 
but you know, it was in the circus, Barnum and Bailey, you know? And so it's just something that doesn't seem feasible to a kid in small Florence, South Carolina. And, right. uh, you know, but you know, I, I grew up with a, a dad who did roll bounce, which is like the roller skate dancing. And so he grew up doing that. And so I grew up in the skating rink and, uh, I'll never forget. I was there with him one day and, there's this dude with uh, rollerblades, and he skated fast as shit. And I didn't know what thing he did, but he grinded across the carpet. And, you know, it, it was a soul grind, I later found out. But at the time, I was just like, oh, my God, he's like the dudes in the circus. Like, you can actually do that. And then, uh, you know, it, it kind of became a realistic thing for me. And so uh, my neighbors, you know, they, they had also around the same time got a roller hockey setup and so like everyone in the neighborhood got rollerblades and so i brought like these 20 dollar skates from one of my friend's older brothers they're like size 13 like i wear wow. a size <laughs> i wear size nine now <laughs> oh wow and i was like 14 then and so uh but those are my first little rec skates and we played hockey and we already had ramps from skateboarding and so we started trying our ramps on our rollerblades and a few months later they built us a skate park and that was it from there and this was um where in south carolina was this florence flow town <laughs> okay Flo so town. You, you know i don't know many uh skaters from from south carolina i think tim taylor was yeah. from south carolina um adam mcmanus that's right he was like a newer from like the newer kind of generation from but yeah, Adam McManus, that's right. Um, yeah, we cool. we we stole Arsenio. Um, <laughs> that's right. New York, he came down to South Carolina, and we met like as soon as he came down. It was crazy because you know there wasn't any other role players that looked like me. And then I see Arsenio, and I'm like, oh snap! And he was ripping too, so you know it was a bonus. We just were instantly tight. Did you that's meet him sick. before that? No, I never met him before. Um, he moved down, I think, when he was 16. And, yeah, it was a um, while ago. came down to Greenville, and we skated street. Actually, no, I met him I met him at Norcross after a super hick session and found out he lived in Greenville and then went and started skating with him. But um, it was when he had first got on USD, and it was just like, who is this dude with this swaggy style doing 450 front farbs like water? You know, like, who is this guy, you know? Because yeah. everyone was like, we were all hungry and trying to come up. So we're all filming and like skating aggressively, trying to get the clips. And this dude's just like casually fucking everybody up. And it was Arsenio. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. No, Arsenio, even like back in the day in New York when he was like, he must have been 14 yeah. or something. Thinking maybe 13. It. But he was so good already. And he was already like a really big guy. Like, and it was sick and he was just so good, like always had been like and doing like just like the toughest switch ups like back in the day during that era. And yeah, I remember when he went down to South Carolina. Um, so easy too. it was a big loss, but I'm, I'm glad he went into good hands down exactly. there with you guys. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's interesting to like for me to think about like uh, the, you know, skating and like South Carolina so spread out. But you guys had like a nice hub between like Atlanta and Charlotte and like everyone and all these events that would like go on there. So. It seemed like a super healthy scene growing up in. Yeah, it was cool just because it was connected. It was a lot of 
small towns with four or five rollerbladers here and there. And so anytime there was any skate park throwing a competition, every rollerblader would be there. And so you would get to meet all of the bladers from Georgia, all the bladers from South and North Carolina, some from Tennessee. And so it was really cool because we had a really close, you know, family type network from the start. And uh, that's actually how I came to live in Charlotte growing up two hours away. Um, There's this kid named Whitney and everybody kept talking about this Whitney guy in my skate park. And I would get mad because, you know, Whitney Cummings, Whitney, <laughs> Whitney, Ham. No. Whitney Ham. you remember Whitney? Okay. I remember Whitney. He did what, yeah. Whitney, like 360 sweaty Whitney, like really good sweats. That's exactly Whitney. the Whitney dude. And uh, that was the first trick I saw him do. Um, Everybody called me up one day and they're like, Whitney's here at the skate park. And I'm like, yeah, who's this Whitney? I'm going to go battle him. You know, because that's how, <laughs> how cheesy we were. I'm going to go battle him. Nobody talks. This is my skate park. And so I go to the skate park and I'm standing there. I'm looking around like, who is this Whitney guy? And they're like, him. And I look over and I see this dude drop in and 360 sweat stance the box. I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, we, we like battled it out. It was amazing. Like, and it was funny because back then they weren't called hardsmans. Like there was, there wasn't a name for the trick. This is like, mm -hmm. this is like 99, oh, 2000. Yeah. So we were just yeah. like, yo, let's just 360 into a back Royale or a 362 and fish break. And it didn't seem to be hard. Cause it was just like, we're just doing a 360. We know how to do those and landed in the trick. We know how to do. And so it was crazy how wild we were no cameras like for no reason it was just like oh that dude did 360 sweaty all right well i'm in the 360 fish brand hmm. and wow. uh and then, like immediately we're friends you know and and now i'm coming to charlotte and staying with whitney and like meeting dre and like chris zinc and kevin womack like the original charlotte crew kenny owens joe dobson and i started coming every weekend yeah that's such a scene i was gonna say what a crew yeah. Amazing scene. What a crew. I remember like I went back down there. I stayed with Dre when I was like 17 or 18 for like a month, a month and a half down at when he where he lived in Charlotte with uh with his mom, rest in peace. Yeah, um in the Yeah, back in the day and skate with them just like there was all this like positive stuff going on with skating and yeah, I was curious, like so you were going every weekend? Did you move there pretty early too? I started uh, I went to Charlotte for my very first time at 17 to skate. I moved there by the time I was 23. But I was literally there every weekend until that point, unless we were going to a contest somewhere else or like a session somewhere else. Um, I don't know. It, it was awesome. Like Dre really took me in. Dre was actually the first one to take me in. Not everybody in the crew was uh, accepting since I was some outsider dude, you know? And so Dre instantly took me in and we became great friends and we'd always battle, you know, on tricks. And it was awesome because we had different tricks. And so sometimes you, you skate with that person when you guys have the same tricks and you kind of have that battle, but it's yeah. so much more inspiring when it's a person that does different tricks because then it's, it's opening your mind to do other things. And so, and then too, like Dre's charisma, his energy, his attitude, like he showed us all like just how to be a skater, you know? No, totally. Like Dre um, is just such a sick person, such a sick figure. And especially like back then, I remember first seeing him in uh, Elements 2 
and oh, being man. like, who is this guy? This guy has so much style, like skating to the beat nuts. And I was just like, wow, this guy's out of control. And then meeting him and being like, yo, he's like kind of famous already. Like kind of know him. Like he's probably going to be cocky, but he was like the nicest guy. He like mm-hmm. the warmest dude always like, like, you know, just take people in and just like, yeah, he never had like a shady bone in his body. You know what I mean? Like Dre is just, uh, and yeah. that's like such a good example for like, everyone like in in the carolinas i bet and like also in skating in general you know what i mean it was just such a huge figure that's cool amazing huge personality huge spirit i mean that dude is the toughest person i've ever seen on skates um during the say word days i don't know um if anybody's seen any of the say word videos made by kenny owens ko but uh there's three of them and they're they were such an epic time in my life um I moved here during the filming of Say Word One and was here for all of them. And luckily, you got to be in them all. And there's one clip where it's like a two story balcony with a rail that goes across and connects to a very steep kink rail. And Dre's doing frontside stall a couple of times trying to get over this rail to jump and drop top acid on this huge kink rail. Mm-hmm. He does, and his, uh, his, his soul flip goes over. And when he hits the kink, it catches his feet and flings him straight to his face. And I mean, like, yeah. he was probably a good 15 feet up from where yeah. he initially, probably eight feet up from where it threw him down. Broke his tooth, like lip immediately was just like, Bleh. and my man yeah. just got up like a G, picked up his tooth, was fucking taking pictures like, ah, uh, tooth. And, uh. Like had his girlfriend uh, at the time sew him up, like sew his lip. Oh like, my like, god! He just, he just took a couple of shots of of some liquor, and he was such a G, you know. And it's just, wow. uh, my god, you know, how can you not go off when you are surrounded by people like that? You know, when you're scared. Yeah, so those dudes really just hype me up. And then you know, we had Baby Montre become the best in the world. Right in right. front of our eyes. That was right. amazing to watch. He just came out of nowhere. Like, I remember we would see him because he had a different crew. And so, like, we were older. We were driving. His crew was younger. They were taking the bus. And so we would see him sometimes at the skate park, randomly bump into him on street spots. And when we would, Montre would just be doing these amazing tricks. And we're like, dang, like, when did he learn that? Like, how is it? Okay okay, yo, come skate with us. And uh, then, I mean, you see the end result. Like, he just out of nowhere was the best. Yeah, I remember, yeah, him. that's another one. I remember first meeting him when we were uh, years ago. We went to, like, with uh, Colin Kelso and Sean Kelso. We drove down to Atlanta, and uh, we stopped in Charlotte along the way, and we skated with Montre. It was, like, just – he'd been skating, like, two or three years – and Dre had been skating with them for like a few months, like, and he was already just so, so ridiculously good. He was just, just, it, it was, it was already, it was just, he was just, yeah, very much a natural. So yeah, but I, that's such a, like a crazy crew to like be skating with and just like to have that influence. So like, man, that must've been super exciting. Like with everyone, like during that time around say word one, say, say word two and all those times, Kenny Owens too, like such a cool yeah. guy. And like, such awesome, a great con- yeah so like what what back then what were like the because you know you, you gone on to like you know do a skate company like do a skate park do all this stuff like what would like the skate ambitions during this time 
Um, so during that time, Dre uh, and Brett Coppage, the guy who I did Oso Boots and Oso Skate Park with, um, and I, the three of us were trying to start a skate park all the way back then since 2006, two, no, 2005. And so um, Dre had gotten in contact with Pepsi. He had gotten in contact with Mountain Dew. And he had gotten in contact with the Red Bull. And uh, Pepsi was willing to give us money, but it was a reimbursement. So we would have to find the money, build the skate park, and then they would be willing to reimburse us. And so um, that never went anywhere because we were unable to find money. Um, but Dre, you know, Brett and I were all idea people. You know, we, we love rollerblading and we always have these ideas, you know. And I'm sure everybody does, but, you know, we try to execute on them. And so the next thing was a universal boot company that Dre wanted to start. And so Brett was working on designs for that. And basically the idea was let's have a boot that you can put your rollerblade on then you can slap an ice skate on and then you can slap inside a snowboard or like a ski binding, you know, and just have this one boot that you can That's use crazy. Them. That's a crazy concept. That is. I'm surprised it hasn't been done yet though. I mean, it's not that far fetched, you know, like it's somebody can do it, you know? No, I mean, and, it, it, it isn't that, it isn't that far fetched. It's just like it's all an interesting concept. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was Dre's, yeah. that was Dre's idea. And, uh, we started trying to help him work on that, and then he moved to Cali, and so that kind of put a halt to things. We were still talking, but you know, it's it's kind of tough when there's no face to face, and no one's really like having meetings that are resulting with next steps being achieved. But uh, Dre was out there hustling and started getting cuffs made, and so I wasn't mad at him. Like Dre's always working, man. He's always doing something. But um, so we just carried on that spirit. And, uh, you know, always have some kind of projects going on. And if the projects work out, who knows, you know, if it's something that could be a need that needs to be fulfilled, then why not try? Was that concept of all the boots, like all the sports, was that what you tried with Oso Boots or was that something completely different? Man, Oso Boots kind of started as a... Really, it was just like a science project. Um, <laughs> Brett, Brett called me over and he was like, hey, man, you want to make some rollerblades? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and uh, he was like, yeah, come over to my house. And I was like, okay. And I went to his house and he had all this stuff in his garage. I'm like, what's all this about? And it was like just sheets of plastic and like wood and parts everywhere. And I'm like, what, what's going on? And so like we reconstructed a hot box and like a thermal forming unit, which is basically where you heat plastic and then suck it down to a mold. And so uh, we started playing around with like making boot molds and, you know, making cuff molds and started producing an actual shell. So then it's like, let's see if we can get a skin made, you know, and we had a buddy that was a seamstress and like we were doing it ourselves too, like learning to sew. So of course, like they're pretty ugly in the beginning. Um, but you know, we eventually found like a lady who used to sew surfboard, uh, I guess cases. And so she started sewing the skin. So they started looking a little better, but, um, basically it was just to, to show like, we don't have to, you know, 
rely on someone else to produce our rollerblades. And I think it's really cool that we were in the beginning of that wave because now it's common, you know, like there's so many companies that are owned by individual people that are like 3D printing or buying their own plastic and have milling machines and CNC machines and like cutting sole plates. And so it's kind of cool to see that the DIY is still alive in rollerblading and actually, uh, you know, with the improvement of technology, you know, is, is getting better and better and people are making real products that are better than what are coming from the big factories. Yeah, that was a really unique way to do that. Um, and I don't think many people were doing that, like you said, prior to that. I think you might have been like one of the first few people to kind of do that DIY, like make your own skate and do it and do it that way. So, um, yeah, that seems to be a bit of like your ethos with everything, like with like music yeah. and all this stuff. Very, very DIY, which is cool. Um, you you didn't have want- the skate, like my bad, like the boot. You made the boot yourself. It wasn't just like a a razor's collar something like that with a skin on top like you straight up oh we uh yeah, yeah we didn't we... need to do all that that's like extra it seems like <laughs> crazy well that was the thing though we didn't we didn't want to pay to have it manufactured we wanted to make it you know we wanted to be a handmade rollerblade and you know adapt is the best example of that you know it's a they're a handmade rollerblade it's a beautiful skate um and they're they're professionals you know we were just some random dudes you know trying to make something you know and so uh, definitely much respect to them and congrats to their continued success. I hope they live forever. Um, and I hope more people, you know, try to find a way, you know, if you, if you have an idea for a new boot, like do it, you know, faction is a prime example, mm. brand new boot design. Some people think it's like a carbon that's a 100% its own boot, you know? And so, um, props to Clark for, you know, coming up with that and going against the grain because it's, it's really tough. No, huge shout out to um, Clark too, because Clark is just like, not only is he like a triple OG, like Excalibur, he's like been around since forever, like killing like everything, the hardest tricks, like awesome style. But like, you know, he's doing his thing with the compound. Mm -hmm. He's doing his thing with faction and just to have like such like a smart, motivated person, like who's been around forever, like be still involved with skating is massive. So mm-hmm. yeah, huge shout out to Clark Kirkman. Check out his uh, new faction skate. Oh, he also just had a podcast with uh, yeah, Jan, then and now. I believe, yeah. then and now. So yeah, check that out. Yeah, a lot of info about those skates. You you don't have like uh, any urge to revamp Oso Boots with all this new technology and shit, and, like 3D printing and stuff like that? Well, there's, uh, there's new designs. Oh, <laughs> so- we we stopped talking about it, but um, Brett is always onto something, man. And Brett's got several designs where um, he's using different materials: some with carbon fiber, some with hemp, some with a blend. Um, yeah, so I don't think that it's necessarily all the way gone. You know, um, there's there's still process and and thought and work being put into new design. So who knows what the future will bring. Oh, oh nice. That's really hard. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I, needed, I needed an excuse to use that one. Oh, that my was, God. Was <laughs> that you or was that like a voice thing? Oh, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> that's that's uh, a voice thing from the sh- a prior episode on the show. Anthony Marchion's episode. <laughs> um. um 
You know, actually, I, I wanted to, since we're talking about Oso and, and, and the boot company, I actually wanted to talk about um, Oso, the skate park. But before we get into you getting your first skate park in, in 2017 and, and everything that came with that, that was really cool that you did. Um, you worked at Woodward for a while. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if this had any influence in you wanting to do a park or like seeing being around the building aspect or the ramps aspect. But uh, what was that like working at Woodward and did that have any influence on your motivation to do a park in the future? Um, my time at Woodward is probably the wildest time for me because I was a wild person back then. I'm not the <laughs> same calm and collected feel that you see here. I was crazy, and so uh, <laughs> I I loved, loved, loved my Woodward experience. I was very fortunate. Um, the seven years that I worked there was the seven years that Chris Edwards lived there. So, like, we became like this over the years. Um, he taught me how to play baseball darts, and I used to whip his butt at it every day. Now I'm just playing that every day. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we were that's, – that's how tight we were. You know, we would literally, <laughs> like – you. You got an hour, you got two hours, let's go. We run down the brownies and play some darts and have a pint and just get away, shoot some pool. Oh my god, brownies. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um and just the wildness, man, like because when I worked there, rollerblading was the biggest sport at camp. And so we had all of the cabins around the rock. We had kids sleeping in BMX cabins and skateboard cabins because there were so many rollerblades they couldn't fit in the blader cabins. Wow. And so uh, it was it was amazing, man. Um, being a part of that and being able to help, you know, teach s so many people, and some of them, you know, are pros now. Some of them made it pro and are coming back. And you know, regardless, uh, a lot of them are still skating, and that's what matters most to me. Wow, that's really cool. Like to you know be able to have an impact like that. Um, you know, I had I had a couple friends that were Woodward counselors, and it's funny, like down the years when like someone who like kind of gets to a point maybe becomes pro or a sponsored skater, and they're like, "Oh, you were my Woodward counselor," yeah. <laughs> so it's probably like super yeah. cool to and and rewarding to have that kind of experience. Oh man, it's amazing, dude, and it's 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 awesome. Like every time I go to some major event, I'm running into all sorts of people, and the hardest part now is, you know, when I tell these guys they were kids. Now everybody's adults. They got beards. They got like piercings mm -hmm. and tattoos, and they look way different. They're like, "Phil, you remember me?" And I'm like, <laughs> "No." <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'm still gonna give you a big ass hug. Remind me your name, and then I probably will remember. And and then we get to reminisce about some fun like camp story of something either stupid that I did or funny or vice versa. And so uh, it's it's awesome just being able to feel that love and and see that the people still share the same love that you do you know for for rollerblading oh totally yeah that's a crazy time because i can't imagine going to woodward and seeing rollerbladers taking over the whole camp well i mean like besides the what year is it of them i'm talking about actual camp camp like more than skateboarders and bmxers because one of the last times or might have been the last time i went to woodward east during the summer when camps were happening it was it might have been like, I don't know, maybe five or six, seven years ago, whatever it was. But there was only like five or six rollerbladers and that's it. Yeah. And man. I was like, I felt so bad that like I was like, good for these kids. They're still here. But like I felt so bad. I was like, everybody here, there's 
hundreds and hundreds and thousands of kids like skateboarders hanging out with each other bmxers and then there's just like these like five or six who were like hey rollerbladers just like us and we're like this is it like it's see, so to hear you see say that like rollerbladers all over the place like i hope we get back to the, a point like that again you know yeah and you know i feel like with the rise in skating and rollerblading it can definitely as long as it's you know accepted and that's the messed up part they don't offer rollerblading at woodward anymore but they offer parkour and scooter and skateboard and bmx you know so literally everybody else but rollerblading and so um and i'm not sure if they offer quads but i imagine that if it makes money they're they're gonna hop on it and so do we know that they don't uh, do rollerblading anymore though because they were supposed to do it in 2020 it was gonna be like the first year they came back and of course the whole pandemic happened so i don't know what happened with that but it was supposed to come back for a whole summer or for a week because i know one uh, year was supposed to be for like a week for like a trial and it was maybe literally that, like yeah it was it was the in the camp and that is just a ploy because they don't sell much admission at the end of camp hmm. and so um, that's why they used to do what's called the tap program where you would get to pick one kid um, from your cabin to get tapped and then they get to come back the last week of camp because nobody comes those weeks. And so they're like, well, how can we make money? Well, I guess we can give rollerbladers a week because they know I'll be forced to come at this time, you know? And so it's kind of wow. bittersweet. I didn't know that was the story behind that. I remember Richie uh, Velasquez saying that um, at one of the what, last what year is it? He was like, yeah, they're giving us like some space next summer. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I didn't know like the um, the reason for it or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, I think the numbers are growing huge now, especially since 2020. So um, hopefully something would happen and we get back in there or just bigger numbers in general at some sort of camp or something like that, because that's where the kids the kids are that's where they grow and stuff like that that's how it was for us i mean i never went to woodward but like our generation i guess you could say um just kids linking up together networking at, at camp woodward exactly and uh kids need to have that nurturement you know um i grew up you know i started skating in 98 and so you know where i live there was no camp there was you know we had a skate park so you go and you do your thing but you know, with, with these things put in place, we have the opportunity and I've had the opportunity to really, you know, get, get in touch and, and actually connect with kids beyond the skating and show them, you know, how to be a good person as well. And uh, that's what I really like the most about camp, you know, because one, you do get to skate and uh, you do get to try new things and help others learn. But at the end of the day, you're, you're building character and you're showing people how to actually you know, be real cool people and not be dickheads essentially, you know? Yeah. Um, and so attitude is everything, you know? And, and for me, one of the, one of the main rules about my camp and when I was at Woodward is, you know, we don't laugh at each other, you know, like, cause a lot of people are nervous to try things because they're scared. One, they're going to fall. And then they're scared too, that somebody's going to laugh at them. And so, you know, protect yourself and let's not laugh at each other. I mean, sometimes things are silly, like that's different, but you know, there's yeah. definitely like, where you know, it's not funny. And so, yeah. you know, having that established too, and, you know, just encouraging the kids, it, it really, you, you can see the ones that need it and how it helps them. That's cool. 
man, that's cool. I love I love that attitude, and it's like just it's just feeding into um, yeah, like making them like you say better, more conscious people. Like you know, be aware of your surroundings, be aware if you're being an encouraging force or not, you know, and be a positive force. That's uh, that's cool. They go to the skate park, they learn not only how to do some tricks, but how to how to be a cool person. That's sweet. They, um, yo, I just had a quick idea, real quick. Skaters, we're also grassroots now, like bla- like bladers, like Billy, like own skate companies now. John Julio, we have like the Compound and Clark Hurtman. We have Ramping Camp with uh, Tim Schmidt. Like, we should just DIY our own grassroots blading, camp? Yeah, blading camp. Yeah, like a, I mean, yeah, Josh blading Kobe. camp, pretty much like that. But like, I guess one here to since Woodward doesn't offer it anymore, so like all these people have like friends at school who go for skateboarding or BMXing or parkour, whatever it is. And then now we could have like an inline one, at least in the States or something like that. But yeah, blading camp pretty much. Yeah. During- I, but, but I think, it, I think like, like Phil said, and, and I, I agree, I think there's some value in like the interactive aspect between like other countercultures, like, you know, riders, skateboarders, bikers, like connecting and interacting. And, you know, I think that's cool. Like that's something to encourage as well. Maybe. I don't know. It is if, if we're able to do that, but if not, it's better than nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, uh, I think like kind of to expand on your idea, Austin, it'd be tight to set it up so that each destination has its week long camp, but they're all like scheduled with each other. And then we have a set of staff that goes to to all the spots to teach collectively. Oh. And so like, it's like a tour for the teachers. And then, so you go to ramping camp for a week and teach there. And then that staff after that goes to the compound and teach for a week, you oh, know, or however, you know, I think that would be really interesting. Um, I, I actually do something like that with the get rolling crew. I don't know if you guys are um, familiar with them. Of They're course, based yeah. out of New York. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they teamed up with, uh, you know, Cameron with uh, what mm-hmm. year is it? And we did this amazing tour throughout Mexico where we taught clinics and showed people how to rollerblade and did stretching and slacklining and wellness and all this amazing things that brought a lot of people together. That's what it's all about, man. And honestly, like clinics, demos, like showing people who don't skate skating, like, you know, like getting outside of the box a little bit is so important and helpful. Um, and that's yeah, how it used to really be, cool. you know, Chris Edwards used to, oh, have yeah. to go around do all those demos. I remember Tom Heiser still mm-hmm. with the rollerblade man, still to this day, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times you, you got to put it in people's face because people don't see rollerblading often. The TV doesn't want to show us, you know, and yeah. you can't just go to the mall, you know, like you can to buy a Thrasher shirt. And so, you know, I think we need to have more of, people just going out and putting rollerblading in your face. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I love that energy. I know. It's um, a cool conversation. I love your idea too about like, I don't know how, how far-fetched it is, but counselors pretty much like touring the country for clinics. Well, you know what that is? Like that. That's, that's what we did. It was uh, it was me, Cameron Card, um, Meta, who's mm-hmm. the president and founder, um, Coco Sanchez, um, you know, and, you know, her boyfriend, uh, what's his name? Dylan, I believe, the pogo guy. Um, and it was great. Like, everywhere we went, we had, I think the smallest class was maybe around, like, 30. The biggest, we oh, had wow. over 100 people, and we had to split it up into, like, two separate classes. And um, I'm the I'm the grind instructor, 
you know, we had like a flow instructor, we had a beginner instructor. So like flow is teaching you how to turn and like how to cruise, you know, um, do transitions. Um, we had a basic, you know, class where you, you learn the basics of learning how to start, learning how to turn, learning how to stop. And so, um, everyone got to, you know, choose what they wanted to work on. And it was amazing. There were kids as young as four. There was a lady that was 63 that had been rollerblading for three weeks and she was getting it. They were like, That's she was crazy. skating as fast as, you know, some of the fastest people out there. And she was, you know, had her, her shaky arms, but her little wobble, but she was Damn. going. And, yeah, good for her. And That's she cool. Took the, she took the flow class, you know, and she was learning how to skate more steady, you know? And so, um, people really appreciated it. People really wanted it. And so it's out there and then they just, uh, had had to have the means to access it. That's... So I, I feel like it's something that like more people should try to do, you know, like more companies should look into ways where they can like, let's do some demos, you know, or let's like, Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's contact a local skate shop and have them advertise that we're going to come and teach a free class, you know, this day, this location and, and get some new people on skates, you know, and sign some autographs and everybody have a good time. Yes, dude. Honestly, this is this is something I've been talking about with actually Bellino for a while. Like, we got to do demos. Like, demos are what we got to do. We got to go to the skate park, nine to one. Like, go there. Like, teach lessons. Like, eleven thirty, twelve. Throw on the burgers and some dogs, and then just like you know, get out of there. You know, and just do little things like that. That's what it's about. And it doesn't even have to be that frequent. You know, like you can start something like bi-monthly, like every other month. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody knows that there's gonna be the Mesmer meetup right here you know, or whatever it may be. And so, um, I don't know. I, I think like if, if proactive. Everyone that page, you know, like, cause then the world also gets to meet us too. Um, a lot of people don't understand our personalities. They just see us doing what we're doing and just assume that we're some aggressive type of person or maybe someone that might use drugs or like, I don't know, not, what we actually are. And so to interact and like sometimes force that interaction on someone and let them see like, Hey, I'm a normal person. I'm pretty cool. I'm interesting. Like, and I'm friendly, you know, and this is what I do. You think it's cool. I can teach you, you know, this is where you can get some skates. You should try it out. You can do it. You know, I believe in you. And, uh, cause a lot of people don't get that ever in their life and they get it from a stranger, especially when they, think that that person's cool or admire what they're doing, you know, you might change my life and not even know it. Wow. I love that energy. And uh, I love to hear that you're doing all this with Get Rolling. So like huge shout out to Meta. He yeah. is a man. And um, man, I, I, I saw like on your Instagram that you were down there, but I, I didn't know what you were down there for. So it's cool to hear it. And uh, I hope you end up doing more of that because that sounds like, Really yeah. positive stuff. I know that's awesome. Why? Why was it in Mexico and not um, in the states, for example? Um, well, there's there's a huge need. You know, um, the Latin community is. You know, a lot of the places where we were, it was it was, it was very poor people, and so um, not to say that there aren't very poor people here, but um, you know, Meta is from Puerto Rico. He lived in Mexico. And rollerbladers saved his life. You know, he was taken in by a family um, when he was down on his luck. And 
the family that took him in, you know, his best friend rollerbladed and gave him skates and gave him something to give him a reason to believe in himself. And, um, you know, a lot of people down there have bad circumstances, you know? Um, and so, uh, it was, it was kind of, you know, easy for, for it to be the decision to go to Mexico because there's a great need, there's beautiful scenery. Um, and Meta has the deep connection, you know, with the people there. And so, it was awesome to be able to link up with Fry Gomez. He does uh, Proyecto Mexico. He's an amazing rollerblader and an amazing filmmaker down there that spotlights a lot of uh, Mexican rollerbladers and, you know, puts them in our eyes when we wouldn't know who they are. Just kind of like how you guys are talking about South America, you know. It's, it's amazing how there's so many gems in rollerblading, some of the best rollerbladers that never get discovered, you know, but they love it and do it you know, just as greatly as anyone else. And so it, it was a, it was an honor and uh, I'm excited to do more. We're, we have more coming up for this year. And so, you know, just trying to travel as we're able to, you know, with COVID things, restrictions are changing. And so we'll see how this year goes though. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully things uh, change. It's been a, it's been a wild couple of years, um, which gets me into, you know, we, we should talk about the, uh, the beginning of the skate park. Yeah. The, um, yeah. So this was like a pretty big deal. Like, you know, I, I think anyone in the East coast or, or Northeast that experiences winter knows that it's not the, you know, California situation or maybe perhaps even in Mexico situation where you can skate year round, it gets like cold. And uh, that skate park was ringing bells all the way up in New York. And mm -hmm. you had some pretty cool events that went down. So uh, how did it all start and how did it all come to fruition? Yeah. Uh... Basically, it started, you know, with the Oso boots. And so we were making them in Brett's garage. And then Brett uh, ended up moving. And so we started making them in my house. And we started messing up the hardwood floors, 1932 hardwood floors to be specific. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rental though, so it was cool. But uh <laughs> it basically became a, a situation because we were working with like urethanes and like different chemicals that, you know, you're not supposed to breathe. And so we started to try to find a warehouse space and neither of us really could afford anything serious, but um, we were looking. And so Brett had a friend who was fixing motorcycles out of his girlfriend's garage. She was like getting upset with that. So he needed the space. So we were like, okay, let's go in together. We can afford to do that. And so we started looking and end up finding the space and then the guy backs up. And so it's like, all right, well, we're on our own now. And uh, just in looking for warehouse space, Brett found a skate park that was about an hour away that it closed. And uh, it was crazy. The park was amazing. It was like a maybe 12,000 square foot inside indoor skate park. Um, beautiful park. Layout was dope. Ramps were great. The park was making money, but um, just some rich, some rich asshole moved into town and bought the building to put his car collection in. What? Oh no! Yeah, isn't that terrible? That's what happened. Put a fully functioning, rent-paying, like I think they had been there for I don't know, almost ten years. They've been there for a long time. Um, put him out of business just to put his car collection. It's it's crazy, like how money doesn't care. What know? a dick! Right. 
So this guy, you know, gets the bid to excavate the ramps. So he gets paid to re- destroy the ramps. Instead of destroying them, he just moves them into a field and then sells them. So he got paid twice. Um, but we bought, we bought the skate park. And then we had this big project of like renting 18 wheelers and getting volunteers to come and like we rented forklifts and we we moved this whole skate park in two trips and like two weekends of trips, I should say, um, an hour away to Charlotte. And so um, we had a warehouse space we had, uh, you know, that we could afford. What kind of truck was that? (laughs) uh, It was like an 18, like a flatbed 18 wheeler. What? Flappy, uh, 18 wheeler took, yeah, it had to be huge. Yeah. So the 18 wheeler took two trips each time. So four trips total with 18 wheeler. And we also had like, like pickup trucks with trailers and like, yeah, it, it was a lot of money to move it. And so, uh, but, but we did and we were excited. We had our ramps in the parking lot of this space that we were supposed to move into. We had already signed the lease, did the, first month's rent and the deposit so we're ready to go and Sick. uh we we learned a very hard lesson that that's not how it works with business and so uh we actually had to get an architect who then told us that the building was not at all up to code and so we ended up losing out the building we lost our deposit we lost oh all the money that we just spent to move so like we were out about we were out about nine grand oh wow instantly instantly and then oh they were like you have, you have two weeks to move your ramps off of our property oh my god <laughs> what do we do and uh right one, one of my friends his name's joe um he owns his house and he was like well you can put him in my backyard till you figure it out and they sat in his backyard for four whole years dilapidating and we were able to save maybe a hundred two by fours and two by sixes total but everything else just rotted and um oh my god Props to Joe Morrison. Thank you so much, Joe. Um, I'm talking about his neighborhood hated him so much that, you know, they have the like award certificates that you get like in school for making honor roll. (laughs) His neighborhood, the um, homeowner association made an award framed in everything, stuck it on his door, worst house in the neighborhood. And like listed everything. And that pretty much is all about the ramps. And uh, so he took a lot of heat and, but, you know, in that four years, uh, you know, it, it really was like a blessing in disguise because at that point in time, it was like, let's make the skate park to get money, to make rollerblades, to make Oso. And that was it. That was all it was. And uh, over that amount of time that it took us to recoup that money and find a new investor and get open, it, it really helped me realize that we were actually creating a community tool. You know, we're this is more than skating now. Now we're gonna have something that can impact kids' lives, you know, adults' lives, families' lives. And so, um, you know, we, we have a space now that we can do things for the community specifically, you know, and and that's really what sat with me and then my mind started going in those directions and you know, since then, um a program called Community Unity was born that we started at the skate park where we meet once a month on the second Saturday and make sandwiches for the homeless. We're still doing that despite the skate park being closed for over a year. And so we're coming up on our four year anniversary of that. Um, I'm still in touch with a lot of the families, you know, that I connected with, you know, through the skate park. 
And so, you know, we, we had a good three and a half years, but, um, you know, the, the relationships and the things that we started still are rolling. And so now as it stands, uh, we, we have the ramps in back in Joe's backyard again. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> this time Joe put up a private fence so nobody can see them. And, and we have a little, we call it Joe. skate park. Um, so there's, there's the beginnings of the, the skate park being built back there. We have a little like three and a half foot mini ramp and like the down rail is there set up and about to put the down boxes on and built a street course. So it would be really awesome to, to get it done and be able to have Montre's contest again, the QCKC, because that was a really amazing event. And so mm-hmm. I was super sad about not being able to have a space to host that, you know, when we closed too. Yeah, um, that's tough. I did see the QCKC. That was really sick, though. Some New York guys went down a I few times, it. and uh, those look like really cool events. Um, so just even having those memories and being able to have created those memories like you were when you were a counselor is probably like just so amazing. But yeah. I wanted to kind of talk about community unity a little bit because I noticed uh, that there were like some things that you did community-wise, charity-wise that were noticed by even people in like the like the local news and stuff was uh, – was noticing some of this stuff. So where did that all come from and, and, and how did that manifest and develop? Well, um, I wanted to find some kind of way to regularly do a community charity event. And I didn't really know what to do. And we had hosted like a, a vendor event. We did a bunch of stuff with a skate park. And so um, we had a bunch of local craft makers come and set up and rent a table and then we had the skate park basically a store and so people came through and could buy items and i was talking with a bunch of the vendors and one of them i had spoke to they had ran an organization called is adventures where they get elderly people and they take them for hikes and take them for walks or take them to like the river and kayaking um it's basically to promote exercise amongst older people and, uh, you know, to also help them feel like they're still wanted and still have purpose in society, too. And so it was really cool. And uh, so I was asking her about, like, you know, what kind of events they did and told her that I was looking to try to do something regularly at the skate park. And um, Lisa is the lady that I was speaking with. She had said that one time they had hosted an event where they just got a bunch of people and made sandwiches for the local shelter. Um because that's what they asked for. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, that, that seems simple enough. Um, would that be something that you think you could contact them about to see if they'd be interested in, you know, having us do it monthly? And she was like, uh, you know, let me see. And she got in contact with the place because you have to schedule when you're going to deliver food. You can't just bring stuff. And so, um, you know, so they can control waste. And mm-hmm. we got on schedule for a full year to bring sandwiches every second Saturday of the month. And that's where it started. And we just kept it rolling. And now the uh, it's not even the same community center. It's changed businesses and we still work with them. And so it's been really, really awesome having, you know, people come out every month 
there's the regulars, there's always new people. Um, it's my favorite to see kids because, you know, kids need to understand the importance of giving back. And, you know, just because you have doesn't mean that someone else does. And so, you know, let's all take care of each other. And it's it's inspiring to for me to to see them come out and to see them smile and be excited about helping a complete stranger. Yeah, that that's awesome. I was going to ask you too, like who was actually involved in it because you said you do it on Saturday. So I'd imagine Saturdays being a busier day of the week for the skate park. Is it like you had kids who were like coming in to skate help out with this too? Like how did that work? So we would do the event from 10 a.m. till noon. Like the sandwiches would have to be delivered there by noon. And so we wouldn't usually be wrapping up around 1130 to deliver the sandwiches. And then the people that stayed, we would take a group photo and like have like donuts and drinks and then open the skate park at noon. Okay, I gotcha. That's uh, cool. As as an incentive for, you know, kids and people in general, I did a uh, free day pass if you came to volunteer. And so, you know, most of the people that came were adults and did not, you know, want to because they don't participate in action sports. But it was really exciting for the kids, you know, to get that reward as well and uh, be able to have a free whole day to skate just because they help someone else. Yeah, what a great, like, motto to encourage kids. Oh, I lost my camera. What a great motto to encourage kids to, you know, do these things and be involved with the community. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's super cool, man. Um, It's so cool to, like, hear that, like, you know, you've impacted so many people in, like, such a positive way and, like, continue to and work with these. I think I've been saying for a while, they need like, there needs to be more charity in skating and, um yeah more charity and skating charity is good thing it's rewarding it's uh helps others makes you feel good about helping others it's cool stuff um let's talk about shredware shorts really quick so you got you got some new (laughs) stuff coming out yeah man um shredware is my new brand it is a crash pad brand um, for hip and tailbone protection specifically. And so um, I wanted to make a short that wasn't over padded. Um, that seems to be the, a big problem that a lot of people, including myself, have encountered with crash pads. And, uh, you know, some people need all of the pads, but not everybody does. And so um the first crash pads I bought were some $20 Amazon ones because I was like, I'm not paying $80 for crash pads being cheap. But, <laughs> and uh, they were terrible, man. They had like these bumpy textured plastic pads that covered my whole entire butt <laughs> and like went in between my legs and from the back. It was, it, it did not feel good. And like it had. Were you looking like Kim Kardashian? <laughs> uh, it, was it was like i don't want to gap you know what i mean uh it had pads on the front of the thighs and like i was mm. like I'm not playing football overkill but yeah. they were advertised as skate pads and so i was like all right i'm just gonna have to spring for some good ones and like the triple a ones are like hockey goalie shorts look like to me and so i was like i'm not getting those and uh so i got g forms um which are insanely expensive man and so i got the kids versions because they were cheaper and i could fit them so (laughs) i had those and i like i swore by those forever and um but there were still things i didn't like about them um mainly the tailbone pad 
was at the very top and I, you know, you skate and drop down on a ledge, you're not hitting the top of your tailbone, you're hitting that under part of your tailbone, you know? And so yeah. like that was ineffective for me. Um, the hip pads were, were solid. And so I liked that aspect of it. Um, but again, like, you know, you got to wear them all day and then it's only that one pair. So like, you know, I'm going on skate tours. So now I'm having to wear the same stinking shorts every day for like four or five days in a row. And it's undershorts too. So it's, you know, yeah, it's not. And uh, so uh, in May, I started messing around, making different pads, trying to figure out, you know, what material, what hardness, and um, ultimately in July, I lost my shred, my, uh, sorry, my G-Form shorts. <laughs> I went up to stay with B Ford and my shorts stayed up there in Boston somewhere. And so then wow. I was like, I was like, I don't have anything now. And I was like, I'm not about to spend any more money. And so yeah. um, I had one of my friends actually, uh, I had one of my friends, I went to City Trends and bought these $7, just little $7 spandex shorts. And uh, I had one of my friends sew some pockets on the inside. And then uh, I went to like, uh, what is it, Hobby Lobby and got some like mold shapes. And I poured, this is the dirty side, show you the cleaner side. I poured, poured these pads. Um, they're just little foam pads that I poured and, and I used them for a while inside of these and trying them out just to see how it would go. And, uh, you know, realized the pads were definitely too small, needed to be thicker. And, uh, the placement was a little off, but, um, I was able to correct those things and started reaching out to manufacturers and getting samples produced and started getting actual working samples. And so of course I'm like sending the, the nice ones out to everybody and still using my crappy, versions but uh you know eventually i got to a product that i feel is solid and does the job properly is high quality and works you know um some of the features is just being able to show up put the pad in skate you're done take them out you don't have to take off your clothes or wear them all day you can have three or four pairs of shorts and switch out the pads you know so you don't have to worry about stinking you know if you're skating repetitive days or you know just the freedom of wearing the pad you want you know not everybody wants to wear a tailbone pad and two hip pads somebody just might only hit their right hip well shred wears you can just only wear the right hip you know and so thirdly is that uh i i wanted to make something that is you know i guess uh invisible <laughs> you know, um, I didn't want to be bulky. You know, I I wear mine all the time and people don't even know I have them on. And that's the point, you know, because a lot of people are embarrassed about wearing pads and it's just like, whatever. I mean, you know, you don't have to be a tough guy, you know, um, and, and wearing pads doesn't make you anything lesser than someone who doesn't. You know, um, for me, the only reason why I'm 38 years old and still skating hard and taking big falls and breaking ribs and still skating is because I protect myself as best as I can. And so um, I got to attribute a lot of that to some shred wears.
Uh, that's an awesome concept. I never thought about that. Like you only fall on one party, one hip all the time or something like that. So why would you wear the whole thing? Yeah. And so like, you don't have that option when your shorts come with all the pads and they're yeah. attached. You know? Yeah. I got, I got a uh, picture so, so, of them. I was about to say, so where, where can you get shred wear? Because, uh, I'm also a 38 year old skater and my right hip just doesn't feel great all the time. So I might be, and, I might be your next customer. Where, where can you get these? And I've been trying to get you in some of it, demon you, <laughs> but uh, you can, uh, you can get them. Call them out. Oh yeah. I was like, I was like, if you, if you and Austin want some, let me know. I love to get your opinion on them, but no, it's all good, man. Yeah. yeah I know on Joe Street? Million messages. That was to uh homie bill. Uh, uh okay. You, you I gotta say now that because um, and and maybe I'm I'm sorry to a couple people, but I've been like late or behind on my DMs because like now I'm doing like the mesmer and the heavy uh, oh, yeah. Instagrams, and it's just like so overwhelming to be on your phone all day, and also, um, sometimes you're, you're you just gotta put too. down your phone. Yeah, huh? you're you're a popular guy too, you know. <laughs> like outside of all that, you're still Billy O'Neill. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'm sure your DMs <laughs> get, get filled up. So, so, social media is a full-time no, no job <laughs> no hard films at all social media is a full-time job i worked for a company where we was like a team of like five or six of us who only did social media so that's like it gets overwhelming Dude, that's the craziest Dude. job uh, yeah that's the craziest <laughs> job. i can't imagine it i'm but, trying to run my account i'm trying to run the shredder account and yeah then like the bulletproof blading account like it's too much it's a lot that's what i was saying like I, I started like a little food one just for fun, just like so I could have fun on Instagram again. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, now it's like, it's almost like I got to do this, this Instagram stuff. Like it's more, you know, it's more like you're, it's cool to have fun on, oh, whatever. So, but that's cool. So Shredware on Instagram is like at Shredware. So it's at Shred underscore where, W-A-R-E. Um, and then the website is www.shredware.net. I have a link to the uh, website in the video description for anybody watching on YouTube. Yeah. And so, uh, for everybody that is interested in Shredware, um, and wondering, Oh, how much are they? Uh, they go for $65. And so I wanted to make them a price that is accessible for everyone. Like G forms are a hundred, triple eights are 80. So mine are 65. And uh, if you are in the market for crash pads, hip and tailbone specifically, then try it out. Um, I know that they're not going to be for everybody. Some people, you know, hit their lower thigh or, you know, hit hit other areas that's not your hip and tailbone. So if you have the problem of hitting areas that's outside of your hip and tailbone, then this probably aren't the best for you. But specifically hips and tailbones, if that's your thing, Shredware is your product. That's cool. That's I have up. a specific right hip problem, so I'm going to look into that. <laughs> yeah, dude. But, um, I'm just, some dude. just send me your address after this. I got you. It'd be uh, my honor yeah. to have you with some shredwares, man. I'm supporting. Um, cool. Let's get into um, – let's get into um, – we got – you know, in a bit, we're going to get into questions. We're going to engage the audience a bit, but there's a few more things I'd like to talk to you about, if that's okay. Sure. Also, everyone – Please hit the like button if you're watching uh, live. If you're not watching live, you know, hit the like button, you know, share, subscribe. Those things are great for us. It's helpful. Um, so I want to talk about music, fellow yeah. fellow drummer. We've got yeah. three drummers in the house right now. Um, and the first time I, I heard you were a drummer, 
it was from someone in uh yeah I, I forgot who it was like someone maybe kenny but oh yeah he's a drummer modern primitives and i was like oh cool so i like checked out like a lot of that music and you're you're like uh drumming eventually led to like this other thing that you've done in music so tell me a bit about your path in music oh man so <laughs> it's a uh, really funny dude um i actually lied my way into playing drums what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i know Explain. right uh so i was 14 and i had a drafting class which was like you know the basics for architecture and so it was at a vocational school so they send you to a different building and it's you and people from all different high schools and so it was me and my three buddies uh rj chris and paul and so we were just like the four musketeers of class you know like we were the smartest dudes we got our assignments done fast and it was the type of situation where once you got your work done, you do what you want. So we'd like fuck with people. We'd play Trojans on the computers and like be opening up porn on the teacher's computer <laughs> and watch his response, like open his disk drive. And so we were just a bunch of goons in class. And one day they were like talking about starting a band and uh, two of them played bass, one of them played guitar. And they were like, oh man, if only we had a drummer. And I was the only one left out. So I was like, oh yeah, I play drum, blah, you know? And they're like, what? They're like, do you have a drum set? And I was like, nah, I sold it. Just lying. Never even touched <laughs> he it. He sold it. Lying. Yeah. Lying. And uh, <laughs> one of them was like, oh, I can get you a drum set. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I can get you one today. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, like, but you got to play along with it. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, dude, just had a drum set in the back pocket, man. He's like, yeah, I can get hell? you a drum set today, dude. What the hell? It was crazy, bro. And so, wow. Uh, he was like, you know, after school, like, just meet in my car. My neighbor's giving away a drum set, and I was like, okay. So I'm like nervous as shit now because I'm like I'm caught up, <laughs> but I'm in too deep. And so school gets out, go to their car, we all drive, and I'm like intimidated as fuck because like I'm a trailer park kid, so like I live in a little ass trailer. We roll up with these three-story mansions, and I'm like, fuck. What? I'm like, oh, no, my friends are rich, and now they're about to find out I'm poor. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> oh, like, this garage door opens, and there's this, like, vintage Ludwig drum set. It's like a $1,400 wow. drum set. Ooh, just wow. And, uh, yeah, it was like a 60s, 60s uh, three-piece. That's and, a uh, Yeah, Ludwig. And so, wow. like, you know, looking at it, I never touched a drum set in my life. They're like, play something. And I'm like, yo, I got to go. Like, I was supposed to ride the bus. And so my parents see me and I didn't ride the bus. I'm going to get in trouble. We got to get these things to my house. And so, like, I didn't even know how to take apart a drum set. So I'm just picking up the pieces that are loose and shit, like letting them unscrew things. And so we uh, get in the car. We get to my parents' trailer. And uh, I'm all, like, embarrassed as shit. Like, man, now they know I'm poor. They were like, we want to see you play drums. And I'm like. Nah, I was like, help me get these inside. And so, like, we run them inside, and they're like, set them up, play. I'm like, y'all got to leave. My parents are about to be home. Y'all got to get out of here. I'm going to get grounded. And uh, so they leave. I, like, I don't take probably an hour to, to set them up. And then I just started beating on them. It probably looked like uh, Will Ferrell and Step Brothers, if you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that was my start to playing drums. And I just took my little discman and I uh, had my CDs and I would try to learn the songs that I was listening to. And so I was listening to 
James Brown. I was listening to Led Zeppelin. I was listening to The Roots. Uh, there's this band called Snot that I used to love. And like, I used to learn all their songs. And so it was a really cool, like mix of music. You know, I didn't just learn one style. I just learned a hodgepodge. And so, uh, I ended up getting like, within a week I had like two beats that I used for every song we made for like (laughs) the first like three months. And then I really started like going in on the drums and like kind of just being unafraid to try you know, where you just have that session where you're like, I don't give a fuck what happens. I'm just going to close my eyes and just, just do Throw this. It. A little bit Throw it. Listen. Yeah. yeah. And then you hear something and it's like, Oh, let me repeat that. You know? And so that worked. Yeah, exactly. And and then that, that just spawned it, you know? And from there, I just, I, I started to really develop a love for the drums and got good at it and started actually playing in bands and playing shows. And now here we are, like, I don't even know, 20, Three years later, yeah. Whoa, wow, is that been that Crazy. long? I've been started. I started rollerblading and playing drums the same year. Yo, first of all, that's a crazy story. Age. <laughs> well, first of all, that's a crazy story. Second of all, you didn't lie to these people about not playing drums. You conned them into getting yourself a free Ludwig <laughs> drum kit. Turns out, <laughs> yeah. right? Turns out. <laughs> like, I want to play the drums. How am I going to do this? Let me con yeah. some people into giving me a free drum kit to practice on. Yeah, that's so sick. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious young, what the next young, session was like. What what, what was like? I'm, I'm I'm sorry, but you go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. What were you saying? I missed. I was it. saying. Uh, I'm I'm curious what the second session was like, or the first, first session. So now you're like trying to rush and learn these beats. Okay, like we're oh, jamming yeah. what Friday, right? Like, well, yeah, like a what week later. <laughs> I had a whole week, dude. I had a whole week. That's not uh, enough time at all. That's cool. That's not enough I mean, time. I mean, it was enough time to make two two different variations of a four count beat, you know, like four count That's pattern, cool. your basic boom pat, you know, and so, but uh, yeah, just it was it was when I just stopped really trying to like be perfect, you know, mm-hmm. just like just just see what happens. Once I got into experimental mode and felt comfortable being in experimental mode, like things just started to come on the drums. I guess it's kind of like that with skating too, though. You know, like you eventually reach a point where you start feeling comfortable just trying whatever. And then you're just like, oh, I didn't even know I could do that. You know? Like, yeah. And so uh, it, it's it's a lot easier with music because, you know, there's not that risk of health. And so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, other than like, you know, missing the the rim and hitting your hand on it like you know which is like that's that, that's that's what you do in the beginning a lot a lot in the beginning you have like a lot of these yeah, doing that show still man like <laughs> oh yeah you used to have a bloody snare drum a lot like you know playing the heavier stuff and just be like oh they do, we got to keep going the show must go on or you but, break you a know. stick and the half the stick <laughs> comes to hit you in the head or some shit <laughs> <laughs> that's the best you need you need the sticks in the Dude, kit like, you know just in case yeah <laughs> I've definitely gotten a splinter from playing off some shitty sticks and like mm. I had to finish a song with a like a, a like thick oh two my god it was whack oh that's rough your thumb it was in the index oh, oh right in the fulcrum <laughs> right in the fulcrum yeah i hooked the sticks and so it was like i went to roll forward and the tip of the snake stick caught the uh bottom of the tom and so it slid the stick up my hand Oh, and no. just and the toothpick into in my finger. I was like, oh. 
Yeah, you can't, you can't like that. <laughs> Crazy. Be, um, oh, man. But you, you cool. learning the drums or just any music while learning how to skate also, those definitely go hand in hand. For anybody who's not like a musician who's listening might not understand yeah. it, but the best way to relate it is like they're both like, if you want to call it that, like art forms, like there's a lot of learning. There's a lot of uh, like trial and error involved and perfecting it is like a major thing with music and with your skating, I feel like. So they go hand in hand and it's a good, good couple of things to learn at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the amazing things about skate videos too is it exposes you to music you would never hear. And so for me, a lot mm. of the music that I listen to now is stuff that I heard through skate videos and, and have taken that influence and expanded on and found new, you know, artists and bands from that origin, you know? And so I got to credit a lot of, you know, my music taste to, or music taste and inspiration to skate videos. Yeah. I, totally. I agree with you on that one. You know what I did the other day for the first time? Maybe like yesterday, the day before, I was just thinking about music and skate songs. And I was playing the drums and I'm like, let me listen to a, uh, a watch a skate video like on YouTube and see, like play along with every section. So I put like, oh, v, I, I put VG10 on because I remember that the music in VG10 was pretty crazy because Dave was fucking killing it. And I was listening and I was playing to like each section of VG10. Like, and, I, and it was just something that I'd never done on the drums before. And it's like my way to mesh skating and drumming together. You, you know, you should have just filmed it and made a YouTube video about it, like a little uh, Patre Patreon video. All right, that's what, was trying to get, that's what I was trying to get at. But I wanted, like, I wanted to practice it first. But uh, that's All what right. I was trying to do. So, like, that was my first time trying it ever. But it's, like, an interesting thing because there's a lot of, like you said, different varieties and styles of music within one video. So it just shows, like, the dynamics of your skill or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Dude, you actually had a really really sick section back in the day where you played drums for your section and i thought that that was the coolest shit also you lit it up too when you're on your drumming man that was really dope thanks man my drumming well i watched that now of course it's like horrible it's like watching yourself skating when you first started you know but uh <laughs> it's it, it, i like that i have that and it's cool to go back and reference skating and drumming to be like oh i'm a lot better it's, co it's cool to see where you came from you know Hell so yeah. i would like to do like totally. a, a modern version of that yeah yeah that'd be sick yeah, I was talking with Dave Payne about doing something like that. So maybe in the future. That's cool. We should all do yeah, that. We should all do this, that. Have this... a three-piece VOD of drumming to our own skating. Right. Yeah, and then do... like when you get done, you got to throw the stick, and then the other person catches it, like that transition, right? Yeah, there we go. There we go. I'm yeah, at, very, at the next powwow. I mean, tiktok -y, my bad. <laughs> yeah. No, at the next powwow, that sounds like something to do. Damn, powwow. Oh, sick, yeah. If that still goes on. I don't know. I just COVID's been su such a real thing. They should have done powwow this year because Florida hasn't had COVID since the week after COVID happened. <laughs> like you know, like that's right. Florida doesn't recognize COVID, so like I'm surprised it didn't happen this year at all. And uh, well, I, I hope they come I, back. I know, like uh, Blake really cares, you know, about being safe. And uh, I was on the powwow committee for the last one. And we kept the chat going to continue to talk about the possibility of it happening. And yeah, it's it, it's such an amazing contest, you know, it's the weekend long festival camping and living blading. But uh, I mean, respect to Blake for, you know, being responsible. That's It'll cool. be back though. Nice. Yeah. I love hearing that. I know I was uh, the last powwow was the first one that I ever attended. And I was upset that. Of course, COVID happened that weekend pretty much. And now we got to wait so long for another one because I was like ready to go to the next one already. 
Yeah, man, that was an amazing powwow too. The way everybody, you know, everybody listened, you know, everybody, they said, Hey, we got to do a blackout, no posting. Like everybody complied. Usually there's always one or two people that just don't care and just are going to do what they want to do. And to have that many people for a whole weekend, like on a complete blackout where they limited the times we could leave and come back. And if you didn't come back within the time you were locked out, like we almost got locked out. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was crazy. And just props to Blake and everyone else that was on the team to keep everyone, you know, together and informed and then props to everyone for actually sticking to the plan. You know, it's, it's rare to see a whole community of like people coming together and actually like doing something like that. That shows yeah. how smart and how mature we've grown as a community. Because <laughs> I feel like if that was 2005, that wouldn't have gone the same way at all. Uh, like a super hick. <laughs> yeah, like a super hick or a bitter cold type of thing. Like, you know, people who own that red roof in, in Ohio or whatever are still traumatized from <laughs> skaters coming there for bitter cold and shit. But yo, yeah. shout out to you for almost saving Jump Street Podcast during that powwow. Because even though the blackout happened... Um, I messed up and forgot the mixer to do our powwow shows when we did like Shima, Joey, Chase, John Bellino. And um, we were like, there was like a lot of musicians and you were there and you almost came through with the mixer for us to plug it in and everything. And it didn't work eventually, but I had to go buy something. But you almost like saved the show and shout out to you because you came through for that too. You were like, oh, I got something right here in the van. We're like, yes. So Yeah, I was trying to help out, man. You know, you guys, you guys do such a great thing and just respect for both of you as people in rollerbladers. So, you know, it was my pleasure to like try to be able to help out in some kind of way. Of that course. was such a cool event. Like I love how everything was, was blader, you know, all the bands, like yeah. all the DJs, you know, everything was a blader, you know, that was, I don't think I've ever been to a contest where it was like that, you know, been a blading contest, but you know, the band doesn't rollerblade. You know, or the DJ doesn't rollerblade. They're just friends of or getting paid. Like, this was all rollerblading, man. And, like, seeing, uh, you know, just the talent. Like, we had Kurt Newman. You guys remember Kurt Newman from Atlanta? Oh, like, yeah. Rapped, Julian rapped. Uh, Montre's little brother, uh, TJ, uh, a.k.a. Most High, killed it. Had a phenomenal set. Uh, Shima's band played. And Skookum Brothers, yeah, Sammy Chase's band, like uh, it was, it was a star-studded, you know, lineup, and uh, uh, it's such a ratty man. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was a really special one. That was like the first one that like I went to and like camped there. Like we went before, but we got a hotel, and like this time we like camped there, stayed there, and like you know, uh, it was like Shima came out for the first time and showed his face for the first time in years and then the mm-hmm. bellino had just c- come back yeah and then like of course like all like the you know the classic like homies like you know Montre, and then like you know you and dowling and it was just such like a a cool event um and yeah like i really hope for to, for that to come back again because they have such fun things like the snake run uh race is like the coolest thing so it's just like the funnest thing yeah. to watch and like the best trick and the bowl and like all these aspects of it, it's broken out in the females. Like it's done, it's done really well. So um, yeah, I definitely hope that uh, goes down again, but um, yeah. before we get into questions, uh, I'm just curious to, about the, the drum machine things now and what, and what's going on with that. Have you played some shows yeah. with that? Have you, 
what, what's yeah, going on with yeah. that? Because you've done some cool stuff, made some really cool videos. Thanks, man. So uh, basically, the way Moon Man started was during the 2020 COVID shutdown. Modern Primitives had a bunch of shows. We had festivals. We had like high dollar gigs, and uh, so we were really excited about for the you know what the year had in store for us. And then when everything got shut down, you know bars, venues going first. Immediately, all of you know our gigs were gone, and um, it it just you know was kind of heart wrenching because that's a huge side of me, you know, and so playing a show is like, you know, winning a contest, you know, <laughs> where it's like, you're in front of everybody, you're doing your thing and, and everyone's happy in the outcome, you know, and, and you celebrate and are celebrated. And so it's such a special event. And uh, to lose all that, I was like, well, I got to do some kind of music, you know, and we weren't really practicing. Everybody was working and trying to hustle up because, you know, money's tight and everything being limited with capacity and stuff like that, you know, it was, it was harder to, to make money. And I work as a creative, I'm a videographer. And so, you know, that really hurt my pockets a lot. And so I needed something and I've always had a love for, you know, hip hop and electronic music, especially through skate videos. And so like DJ shadow, RGD2, Jay Dilla, you know, like Madlib, MF Doom, you know, these are, these are, people I would have never heard had I not seen them in a skate video to somebody's section. And so I've always had an interest in that kind of music. And this was my opportunity to, to dive into it. I was like, I got nothing else to do. And so um started doing like little Instagram sample challenges where it's like, you know, make a beat out of this song and submit it and tag this, this, and this. And I did a few, like got slapped on and then, Finally, like, started, like, you know, I made one in, like, uh, one of the DJs, like, reshared it. And I was like, oh, cool, you know. And then, like, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, hey, that's cool. You're making beats. And so it was, it was nice to get some uh, some support. And so I just kept going with it and having fun with it and started trying to make my videos more entertaining. Like, in the beginning, the videos are just me in my room wearing, like, different circle-shaped glasses then I started like making the videos where it's like a bunch of me's like four or five me's doing stuff. And then, uh, ultimately started doing the 360 camera stuff cause it's just super easy. But, um, I got a new album right now. Um, I haven't released it. I, a couple people have it, you know, that I've sent to, to, you know, give me some opinions, but yeah, I'm, uh, making some, making some beats, getting ready for more shows. Um, I played ramping camp. I played, the after party at Bashi Pope played, you know, shows locally, um, played at Julian's birthday party. And so, you know, and Halloween. And so, you know, I've, I've had some shows. Um, it's a, it's like a fully immersion experience with my show because I have lights and then I have like actual visuals. And so, you know, it's not just me up there pushing buttons. It's a, it's a whole thing. Damn. That's fucking awesome. I, I loved your, uh, COVID videos, by the way, the, uh, the even like just the one shot of you like ripping a beat for like a minute with the glasses yeah. on those were so sick <laughs> i look forward to those every day genuinely did thanks man it's uh it's interesting when you try to do something new because now you have to like create this whole vibe and image for it and um that's the fun part uh, yeah exactly and so it's it's weird like uh whenever i'm doing a moon man show 
um, I don't get nervous because it's not it's not like I'm going up there. It's not Phil. You know, if if, if Moon Man messes up, that's fine because Moon Man takes off the costume and then there's Phil. You know, and so it's weird. There's like this whole it's 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 interesting having a persona because before in Modern Primitives, you know, Phil is a drummer. If Phil messes up, Phil messed up. It's on me. You know, whereas this, I can like put it on and then I can take it off and walk away from it. And so uh, it's it's like it's interesting because it's a whole different vibe. And I can understand now why so many celebrities that have characters do such crazy things, because for that amount of time, you're you're this character, you know. And so you know what you make your character to be, you know, depends on the crazy. And so you know, mine is Moon Man, so you know, my beats kind of have a spacey vibe. And so that's pretty much like the the premise behind it. That's cool. You ever have any uh, beef with Moon Man? <laughs> Moon Man beef? Nah. <laughs> oh, there's, here's Musky. Oh, there we go. What up, puppy? Pop up. Yeah. Puppy cameo. Come on. Well, um, cool. I think... Uh, we could get into maybe some questions. Patreon questions. We have some Patreon questions. We have some Let's super chats, of course, to our live guests watching. We split our super chats with our guests 50%. So if you like what you hear and you feel inclined to donate, we very much appreciate and appreciate that. And so does our guest. So, um, Austin, do you have some Patreon questions lined up? Yes, I do. Um, if you are watching also, please like and subscribe if you haven't already. But let's jump into some of these uh, Patreon questions. Uh, we have the first one from Nathan Bentley, who asks, what were the most unexpected difficulties of owning and operating an indoor skate park? Um, the most unexpected was the inspections. Um, so <laughs> it's one of those things where like you, you get your space, you get it built, everything's ready to go, but then you got to pay 10 thousand dollars to have somebody come through and look at your stuff to tell you if it's up to code just for fire then you got to pay someone else like you know a few thousand dollars to come through just to tell you if your structural is correct and like your oh plumbing God. so um you know we, we we had like you know a pretty big loan to get the part going and we thought that was it and then we had to borrow like, you know, another large amount because we just got hit with this like, you know, $12,000 bill that's due before we can open. Oh. And so I would say that was uh, the most, you know, unexpected. Um, I would say for us, our biggest struggle though was, was COVID. Um, we, we were doing pretty decent, you know, um, in terms of being able to pay the rent and starting to save money. We had kind of got to that point where the skate park was established. And so we had our regulars and, you know, we had our ways to start succeeding. But then we had to close and uh, we we were closed March 20th to September 17th. So that's literally just three days shy of six full months. And we had to pay rent. Um is half rent, but it's still thousands of dollars that we had to pay when we generate our money based upon attendance and we were closed. And so uh, that was our biggest struggle. And, um, you know, once we reopened, 
we only had two more months left on the lease and then they raised the rent 500 bucks while we were at a third capacity. That was super tough. But, um, you know, if you are a person that's looking to open an indoor skate park, um, at this point, you know, there's not going to be any more COVID shutdowns. So I don't feel like that's something that you'd have to worry about as a deterrence. Just make sure you're in a location that you can afford and you're going to be able to have people that are going to support you. Damn. Well said. It's, uh, we, my cats are going crazy right now. Get out of here. <laughs> Sorry about that noise, but, um, we got to get into the fire inspection business. Oh, 10 grand to, to check that shit. 10 grand a pop. Yeah, fire inspector. Yes. Yeah, ridiculous. That's a pretty thing. sweet deal. Yo, yeah. that's, a, that's a good business. And they literally, they literally just, they, all they did was they looked at the fire alarms and they looked at the wire that goes between it. That's it. There's wow. like, <laughs> this is like all of maybe seven minutes. Wow. <laughs> of course. Like, yeah. It can't be that much. You know, you look around, you're like, oh, that's it. Okay. Boom. 10 grand. Yeah, literally. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. That's, but, that's a million dollar idea right there. Uh, we said we have more Patreon questions before we get into the super chats. Uh, next one's from David Dodge, who says, my hey. dude, what's your favorite trick you ever filmed? It can be one that people have seen or one of the many that got lost over the years. Man, that's the hardest question to ask somebody, dude. Like, Maybe that's why he asked uh, it. <laughs> all right. All right. I guess I the first one that comes to mind is... Uh, in what was supposed to be the 2005 Daily Bread video. Uh, Daily Bread went out of business. And so the video came out on YouTube, filmed by James Rieske. But um, in that video, I do a fakie backflip on the stair set. And so it's the only one I ever like have recorded. And so I die, like offhand, that, that would be the first one that comes to mind. The crazy thing is, is that was second try. First attempt, I jumped way early and did a back handspring off the stairs and still landed it. What? Yeah, it was crazy. Everything you just said is crazy. First of all, fakie backflip. That's fucking nuts. Um, I never knew there was a Daily Bread video that only made it to YouTube that James Rieske made. Like, yeah, man. What was it called? Uh, if you just type Daily Bread Charlotte 2005, just like to that combination... It, you should be able to find it. I'll if I'll send you the link because um, I can't remember exactly what it was called. I gotta check but, that um, out. I'm pretty sure if you type "Daily Bread Charlotte 2005," it'll come up. Anything James Rieske is worth watching. Also, he's the best man. We got so we got James Rieske in our Blade chat. He's back. Um, he's on. He's on Big Wheels, but still, he's on. He's on Blades, and so that's Sick. good to know. Mm-hmm. Sick. He was my uh, Strava buddy for a while. He goes on. Uh, oh, yeah. We follow each other on Strava. He went on really long uh, rides and big wheel blades. He's always doing long trips. Yeah, yeah. He's he's amazing guy and a big hero of mine, man. From way back in the day, dude. Those life pluses, like yeah. I was I was wanting to be in life plus so bad, like. <laughs> whenever James would come out to the sessions, I was going off, dude. I've like hurt myself for James Cameron trying to do some stuff I knew I couldn't do. But, um, you know, that's how it goes when you're young and grommet stats trying to trying to get some attention. Yeah, that man. definitely. His sections were usually my favorite in most of the Life Plus videos, too. I always look forward yeah. to the James Rieske freeform edits. Yeah, they were nice. Always super and sick. And he would make the beats, too. Like, I he know. was so, so fucking 
so far. Now. I didn't know he did. I didn't know he made the beats. That's cool. Reetsky beatskis. That's what he. That's that's why the, mu- that. the music was <laughs> sick too. Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm sure someone like you would appreciate that also because of that style and everything. Like I don't even know what that genre or style would be called, but it was yeah. it was different from anything else that was used in skate videos pretty much at that point. So it was, it was yeah. super cool. Um, we have one more of these Patreon questions before we move on to the super chats. Uh, David Benke says, uh, the- "I did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, Benke okay. is right. We call him Benke." Uh, he says, I always known you as a musician and a rollerblader. In some ways, they go hand in hand. But when doing both at high levels, there are risks involved. If you get hurt skating, you can't play drums. Did either passion ever cause you to miss an opportunity in the other? Um, I have definitely played some shows with real hurt wrist, But I've never <laughs> not played a show from a skate injury, thankfully. Um, and... I would say the worst injury that I've ever gotten before having to play a show um, was with my bike club, Rad. Um, me and Montre are in this crazy bike club where we drink beers and punch each other off bikes and do wild stuff. And so <laughs> we had just finished one of our events and everyone's like dipping to go shower and eat before the after party. And so I'm on a tall bike. Uh, the seat of my bike is taller than me. So it's like six foot is where my butt is. And so I'm like up, up. And so I'm like, dip man, I got like, actually Jesse James from Florida um, was right behind me on a bike. And so we're dipping back to my house and there's this SUV that stopped at a red light. And so I go around it on the passenger side to turn right on the street. As I'm passing it, the passenger door opens and I just get smashed like by the door in my uh, left leg and then flip completely over the bike and the door and land on my hip on the sidewalk. Like I was so hurt and it was like in front of a patio full of people, a restaurant. And so like, I just ate shit, flipped for like six feet up to my hip. I'm so hurt. I'm also so mad and so embarrassed. And uh, I like, I jump up. And like the dude looked terrified and uh, he he was actually like at the event taking photos and he was this little short dude. And I felt bad because he was smaller than me, but I wanted to beat him up. And so I slapped him. I slapped him as hard as I could. And uh, <laughs> then I had to hold Jesse back because Jesse tried to fight him. And I'm like, I'm like, you ain't even hurt. I was like, he, was like, he didn't even hit you. And so like, I corral Jesse and like we we get back to my house and I went to sleep, dude. And uh, they like woke me up. They're like, "Yo, you gotta go play this show." And I'm like, "Fuck!" Because we're playing the after party. And I literally went like, and I'm talking about like I couldn't walk. Like it was, I was taking baby steps and play the show, and literally like left and went to sleep again. Like that's how bad I was hurt. When you get so bad, hurt so bad that all you want to do is sleep, like you were hurt. (laughs) Fuck. Damn, what a story. Yeah, man. Billy, you're on mute. Uh, I forgot you were into bikes. You were into, like, fixed gear bikes and for a while, yeah. right? And, like, uh, motorcycles and stuff like that. Cool. Definitely yeah. motorcycles. I still like fixies, too. I just uh, I don't have a fixie currently, but I got I got a couple motorcycles. So. Sick. Very Damn, cool. A couple. Got right. the priorities right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, we gotta, we're moving on to our super chats right now for everyone watching live. And you have a question, uh, we prioritize our super chats and split them with our guests. So kicking it off, we have Smiley Juggles, who uh, hey. says, my dude, who are the best unknowns from the Carolinas and which Carolina mega session was your favorite? Miss you, bud. Um, let's see the best unknowns, man. There's a lot. Um, let's see best unknowns. We got Joey Adams is like, just, just YouTube. Joey Adams is rollerblading this motherfucker. You'll, you'll be like, why is he not sponsored? Like he's just ridiculous. Uh, it's another dude, Cody Forrester. We got Tucker Freeland. We got Blake Hyatt. There's a lot. Uh, I guess uh, John Cooley came up, so y'all know him already. Um, there was a dude named Dave Allgood that was with like Will Gordon's crew. It was like super good. I don't know, man. Carolina's got a ton of secrets, man. A ton of just rippers. Um, Tracy Kendrick. Casey Wilson. Y'all know who Casey Wilson is? No, I don't think so. He had like a razors for a little bit. He was on Fester for a while. Like just phenomenal role later. Like uh I don't know, it's just there's so many gyms, man. It's it's too many to name. Somebody's gonna be mad at me for leaving them out. Watch. (laughs) If I left you out, don't take it personal. I mean you you need a lot of people. I tried. That's why, you know, I got to get everybody. Somebody's going to be like, you didn't say me. We'll say them for the next shout out. Right. We'll say them for the next we'll one. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a super chat from Stephen Wolf who just wanted to say thanks, guys. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, hey, thank you, Stephen. Older Blading says, no real question. Phil is just the best dude. See you sooner than later, bud. Hi, Austin and Billy. Cheers. Yeah, Cheers, buddy. Thanks for the support. Uh, we have here we go. We super chat from Get Rolling, who says, "If you support Phil, you support the community. Period. We're so thankful for him." Oh uh, man, agree. That's my family right there. Thank you. And we're thankful for you, Meta. Hell yeah, yeah. Meta's always doing his thing. Uh, super chat from Sean Michelson, who says, "Damn, Phil, I already thought you were a cool dude after." Uh, after chill at ramping camp, but didn't know how badass of a human you were. Hands down, the most inspiring jump street so far. Much love, brother. Oh man, that makes my heart warm, man. Thank you, Sean. Hey, I will see you at the spring ramping camp if you're gonna be there. Let's get it. Ooh, I gotta get over there. Oh man, you got to, dude. It's amazing. The vibe, the scenery, like you got to. It seems that yeah. Looks like a fun time. I have to work every time there's a rampant camp every weekend. Of course. Yep, I'm working this one. Yeah, they, he, Tim already hit me up about it. I know. Hopefully, eventually, one day, I will get to make it there. Uh, yeah, I'm glad he's doing it more times in the year now. So, like, people have more opportunities to go. Exactly. Yeah. I know it's tough planning some for one weekend, like one out of 52 weekends. And, like, of course, that's the weekend I have this or something, you know? Yeah. So, more opportunities is better for everybody. Uh, next super chat from Jason. Coverstone, who says, Phil, you're such an awesome person and an amazing skater. I can't wait to shred and chill with you and everyone else in May. Okay, so another one for the ramping camp. Yeah, Jason's amazing. Like, this guy, you ever see, like, a person and you're like, you know, ah, they're probably just going to be a normal skater. And then they blow your mind. That's Jason. Yeah. 
Jason's just like, you know, he's a normal guy. Like, he's not flashy. He wears T-shirts, cargo shorts, you know, like normal, regular dude. You see him like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, probably going to do some normal stuff. Hell no. Then he starts busting flips. And Shredding. Like, and you're like, who is this athlete? Like, what is this gymnast guy on skates? He's amazing, man. He's amazing. That's dope. I feel like people like that are more and more frequent in recent years. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. Like, and he's kind of a, you know, he's kind of a big guy, too. He's like, he's got that, like, you know, thick chest. He's got the, the chest build, you know? So, like, you know, you wouldn't expect to see a, a dude of his stature flipping the way he does. Silent killer. Mm-hmm. Right there. Silent killer. Uh, next super chat is from Tucker Freeland, who says, you're awesome, Phil. Here's for the cheeseburger I owe you. Hey, man, I think you owe me a few cheeseburgers. All right, so let me tell you a thing about... We better up that super chat then. (laughs) Yeah. This is the thing about how we blade here. Um, It actually started with uh, Kenny Kenny Owens in the Say Word days. And he would wager cheeseburgers to Montre and, like, me and Dre on, like, landing tricks. Because we'd always go and, like, eat at Wendy's, you know, or, (laughs) you know, usually Wendy's was the spot after Bojangles was the spot before. And so... You know, during the session, he'd be like, yo, man, two cheeseburgers if you land that gap. You know, it's just like, oh, and then Madre, Madre getting his cheeseburgers. You know, so that kind of just became a thing. We just started wagering cheeseburgers. And so, so uh, we, funny. Were, we were skating his ledge. And I think I got, I think, man, I think I might got up to like being owed 10 cheeseburgers between four people. I was talking <laughs> all this trash. <laughs> you don't do your line, you got to buy me a cheeseburger. And then they miss one trick in the line, like cheeseburger, oh or nothing, you know? That's so <laughs> yeah, funny. Can't change your trick either. You got to do the same line. Damn, but, my man uh, did 10 cheeseburgers worth of clips, worth of tricks. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I could go for a cheeseburger right now. That's some incentive, though, you know? That's good. You know, <laughs> that skate, is. Skaters are hungry after skating all day. You do this trick anyway. You mean I get a cheeseburger and I get to do this trick? <laughs> Sick. Damn, I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that. Uh, next super chat from Brandon Lemaire, who says, not a question, but thank you for coming out to my King of the North comp and having your first trade show booth. Love you, Phil. Hey, yo, Brandon. Thank you so much for letting me have a booth there. That contest was amazing. You run a tight ship, dude. Like, it's, uh, it's interesting how often you go to contests and, like, they're not very well organized. They don't keep the time slots and, like, the judging's wrong. This was the opposite. Like everything went on schedule. The contest was amazing. The atmosphere was awesome. Like uh, the judging was on point. You know, nobody was pissed off with the results or anything like that. It was just like a fantastic contest. I wish the weather was better because I know there was a lot more people that was going to come. But, you know, we still had a decent turnout. And uh, I'll be back in the next one. Hopefully I'll be healed up and healthy so I can compete. And, uh but yeah, thank you for having me, man. Great contest. It looked like a good contest. I saw the clips from it last weekend. Yeah, man. Man, Wake. Off. I know, Wake. Comes out of nowhere. Same thing at Pow Wow, too. Yeah. I feel like I've seen Wake in forever, and he came through and just like destroyed shit. Cameron Card was going off. Jimmy Hake was going off. Let's see. Sasha Sims was going off. It was, it was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Man. Sasha, I love his skating. I'm a huge fan of his skating. Yeah, me too. Same. And his attitude. He's just a cool dude. He's like, Yeah, he's a really good guy, too. Oh, man. 
and I appreciate it. Like some people kind of seem like they're trying hard to be in their own lane and he just does it. He just is who he is. And like, yeah, it's awesome. It's cool. Hell yeah. Uh, we have a couple more super chats, uh, from Jojo. Oso. Hey, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Austin and Billy for this much love, Philip. What's your favorite MP song? Uh, MP for us. Yeah. Ah, Man, um, my favorite, actually, I mean, to be honest, my favorite Modern Primitive song is Lay With The Dead, and it's because that's the song that I wrote. Um, basically, whenever Travis and I was writing that song, Darian was working a job where he was fixing telephone poles. He was all over the United States, and we didn't want to replace him. So we were like, fuck it, let's just play as a two-piece for a while. And uh, we were in the room, and we had already kind of made a couple, you know, songs, like, ideas. And, you know, he was like, man, I'm kind of dry right now. Play something on the drums. And I just started this pattern that is what is, you know, Lay With The Dead. So um, if you have not heard that song and want to, just YouTube modern primitives lay with the dead uh it's it's a i love the song it's kind of dark kind of stoner metalish uh we get killed by hot girls so nice a video music videos are fun yeah man i do all of our music videos man um the way that one came to be is uh i was dating one of the the girl that kills me in the video uh we were dating at the time and she was looking for a storage space to put her couch and I found this storage space and we go there and I was like, this place is creepy. Like, like I want to film a music video because it's literally just long white hallways with brown doors. All looks the same. And so we had this like chase scene where we were just running and like they have machetes and yeah, just it's, 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 it's a lot, but uh, it's awesome. Fun. Can we put the link in the bio? Can we, can we put the link we'll, in the bio? We'll, we'll do it. We'll get it. Let's put the link in the bio for people who want to listen to more modern primitive stuff. Uh, should they YouTube everything or where else can they listen uh, to it? We do have one album that's on like Spotify and Apple Music. Um, the album's called Illuminati, spelled naughty, N-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Can't Very tell cool. you that was Travis. He's 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 always got great ideas. But um, so that's the that's the one album we put up. Um, we we have more albums. We just never put them up because we're lazy ass. Put them up. Yeah. Put them up. <laughs> Need people, to. Want, people want to hear the music man uh we have another super chat from get Roland, who has a question this time uh phil our brother what is your favorite experience between the what year is it get rolling mechs tour and camp rueda thank you for all you do oh man one love all right so i gotta have two separate experiences because those are two separate tours um so the what years it get rolling Mexico tour? We went at least the part that I was on. We went from Mexico City to, or actually we went from Morelia to Mexico City to Chiapas. And um, to be honest, my favorite part out of all of that was uh, so I had two students, Leo and Amanda. And they were, they drove four hours from Mexico City to come to the Morelia class just to drive back home 
to Mexico City to take the Mexico City class the next like, you know, couple of days later. And so the first day, um, they both learned four grinds each. Um, and that just like, you know, when you're teaching somebody and they're actually getting it and they're executing it and then you see their spirit rise from when they learn what they've been trying to get and they get it and they're excited and, uh, you know, you, you help them get there. It's, it's such a great feeling. And so mm. I got to experience that over and over and over again because they just kept like they kept listening and like they were not afraid to try and they were succeeding. Um, they learned soul grind switching regular. They run, they learn front side switching regular, whereas they didn't have either trick, you know? And so now they got four grinds and they're using both directions, you know, their, their feet in both directions. And, and now they have this solid base on how to learn the rest of their tricks. You know, I explained to them, whatever trick you learn, learn it in both directions, learn it with both feet. If you're going to learn a star grind, learn it with both feet. You know, you're going to do a Macchio, do it one way and then come back and do it the other way with the other foot. And they really took on to that. And so um, I think for me, I would say that would be my favorite experience. And um, I'm still in touch with the whole family, you know, like the dad, Ifran, he came and like, I helped him work on his soul grind and the mom rollerblades too. And so uh, it's a rollerblade family and I'm still in touch with them. Yeah. And so uh, it's cool. Like they'll send me videos of their progress of Leo and Amanda and I'll give them cheers or give them tips. And so uh, it, that probably, you know, and it, and I had a lot of experiences like that, you know, and so that wasn't the only one, but to me, I guess that was the most meaningful because it was a brother and sister and they both learned the most. Um, Puerto Rico was a bit different because in Puerto Rico, we, uh, we weren't teaching. Um, we were there for, you know, judging contests and competing and touring and, um, also, you know, seeing a lot of nature and doing a lot of the wellness stuff. And so we did a lot of like distance skating, um, you know, a lot of going to beaches and rivers and, you know, waterfalls and so there was like a whole lot of really amazing experiences within that um for me i guess i would say my favorite experience is when we were all in this like freshwater spring we tried for several days to go to springs and uh each time we get to one it'd either be like the weather you know made it mixed with mud or some group of teenagers were there and they like dirtied it up or and uh we finally get to one you know and it, we you know, went through, you know, the forest and the rain and everything to get to this amazing like spot where the water is like 20 feet deep and you can see the bottom, you know, and like the pool is maybe a, a 20 foot radius, you know? So it's like a, a small circle of a pool and we got maybe like 12 of us in it, you know, um, Carlos Loso, I don't know if you guys, you know, him from uh ghetto community. Yeah. He's like diving in and uh, I don't know, it was it was just really awesome, man. Uh, all of us being in the nature, the water was cold and like, but it felt so good and it rained on us while we were in there. And so then like, I don't know, it was just, there was a lot. So that was probably my favorite experience from Puerto Rico. There's That's so cool. many hidden gems out there in Puerto Rico. Yeah, man, it's amazing. I want to go back. Oh man, also I met Abdiel. That was uh, <laughs> That's a yeah. good one. That's he solid. Really, He's the best. Man, 
Yeah, dude. It's it's weird. Like I've met so many, you know, of the pro rollbaters I like came up watching and, you know, the current ones. And Abiel was one I always wanted to meet and never did. And um the first night I get there, it's like we roll up to this like free skate basically. It's like everybody's at this spot where most people are just skating, some people are learning stalls, but for the most part, you know, it's it's beginners and uh I look over and it's Abdio and I'm like, no way. Oh my goodness. You know, like I didn't just like run up on him, you know, and ground out or anything. Like eventually he was in the vicinity of, you know, my conversation and we all started collectively talking and we were able to, you know, make the introduction. And so okay. super cool, man. Very nice dude. Rollerblader. Um got kids that are going to be great rollerbladers too. And so that was really rad seeing my, my hero and his element. How, nice. he, he's just like the nicest guy ever at DL. Yeah. And he's got a new section coming out. Been waiting for it. Does he? He's been filming for it for like almost like two years now, I guess, since I the pandemic. Got I got, you got the, to see it. I, Sneak peek, yeah. Uh, and let's just say he's still on top of his game, dude. Of course, his style is still flawless. Like three sixty top soles and true top soles. Like, like I mean, none other, man. Austin, you're very close. You're very close on that too. You're not, three top. Soles. Oh yeah. Not oh like, yeah. Not like him. But you're very close. I'm not, not gonna like say him. y'all are far apart, man. I have a good uh, spinning topsoil trick from Puerto Rico too, actually, that JP has from Butter TV. We got to put out this edit. Ah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need some more awesome pass edits. I know. Go bug. Everybody go bug JP from Butter TV. <laughs> that was his How are you, man? How are you, Billy? Are you you're back, right? You healed up? Um, I'm having like back and forth, having like a knee issue that I have to just like figure out what it is and. Some days I have good days, some days I have bad days, but um, I'm, I've actually like linked up with a friend who's a physical therapist who I'm doing like Zoom meetings with on Friday who's helping me learn what the problem is and f- figure it out. You know, it's a lot of years of skating adding up and just uh, trying to figure out how to skate as long as possible. So, you know, making lifestyle changes as best as I can uh, accommodate to and, and things like that. So, yeah, I'm just... Uh, you know, out, you know, just trying to skate as long as possible. So, but doing good, feeling good. Yeah. That's where I'm Thanks at for too, asking. trying to push it, but also, you know, we're, we're in this for longevity now, you know? So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. The game is different. <laughs> mm-hmm. the game is different, but Hey, doors are opening and, you know, I've been having a lot of fun. Like, uh, just, just playing with skating, just making it very playful. So, uh, I've been just I'm really enjoying skating. I think now more than than you know at certain other points in skating where i was like skating really well but i think there's a lot of stress and stuff and now i'm just having like so much fun so it's like really cool and they're both good they're both needed and it's different things and i think but i'm enjoying skating now dude that's great man that's how i feel too i i spent so many years like trying to like make it to some status like oh i want a wheel or i want a boot or i want something you know like and all the while still loving and enjoying skating but it's so much different now where i don't care about any of that stuff i just want to have fun and like spread the love myself Mm -hmm. to the best of my abilities and uh 
it's been interesting because like having that mindset and like, you know, with those actions, like it's actually taken me farther than when I was trying super hard, you know? And so it's, uh, it's real interesting, you know, and I'm just thankful to have made like some very valuable connections and, you know, being able to live the blade life. Hell yeah. We got to do this for as long as possible. For sure. Right. Uh, we have another super chat that just came in from, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name, your last name, Jackie. Jackie Jong, maybe, uh, who says, collab for the next sandwich charity event. We're, get by get rolling, uh, donating, hold on, I can't read this over here. Sorry. <laughs> we are get rolling, donating product and bringing New York City chopped cheese sandwiches for the community in the South. We love you, Phil. <laughs> bringing uh, chopped cheese. To thank the you, Jackie. Culinary so, J. That's Culinary J. Yeah. Um, Jackie is phenomenal, man. Um, and I think she is such an important person in the Get Rolling crew and in the rollerblading community as a whole. Um, if you guys have ever been to any event where Jackie was there, you know, doing the wellness shots and cooking up amazing vegan and non-vegan food, uh, she really, really, you know, puts her all into it and puts love into it and makes sure that what she's preparing is something that is going to be of nutritional value and, you know, taste amazing for everyone. And so it's really interesting to like role playing the robotic community has evolved to that point, you know, to even caring about what we put in our bodies and how we take care of ourselves. And so it's really neat that she gets to pioneer that for rollerblading. Definitely. No, she, she's always like, she's been working with some cool people on some cool things and glad to hear that you guys have been in uh, collaboration as well. Um, as a, as a lover of food, I need to try some of this stuff eventually. Oh, I'm saying. I'm just, I just, since, since COVID happened, I became like a serious foodie kind of guy now. So now I just want to eat everything. Um, yeah. But, um, okay. Sorry. She's amazing. Like her, her, yeah. her cooking through the roof. It looks good. I've seen some of the stuff on Instagram. It looks nice. Um, well, we, I will take one more question. Um, we're, we're done with super chats, but you know, before we get to this question, um, I actually have a personal question that I wanted to ask that I forgot to. What is the significance of oso? Where does it come from? I know, I think it means bear in Spanish, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm, I'm curious, uh, wh wh yeah, where that came from. So um, when I thought of oso, basically, Brett and I um, wanted to have a name that represented our brand, but also represented where we're from. And so we started looking at you know, the state animals. And so like our North Carolina state bird is the cardinal. That's not very tough, you know? And so uh, <laughs> the state animal is the black bear. And, uh, you know, bear boots, mm, sounds weird, you know? And so uh, I, you know, was kind of stewing on it. And Oso just came, this is like as bear in Spanish. And, uh, I initially liked that it was just a quick two syllable, easy to say, kind of easy to remember word. And, uh, I ran it by Brett. He didn't really like it. <laughs> he was like, uh, let's see, let's keep thinking. And so, uh, you know, gave it a week 
And in that week, I was like, you know, pretty set on it. So I was asking all, you know, the people I was encountering that knew about the project, you know, like, hey, what do you think about us as a name? And everyone that I talked to said it was cool. And um, what, what solidified it for me was um, I have this one friend. Um, she's Samoan. And uh, I was like, you know, also it's, it means bear in Spanish. She was like, that's also a Samoan word. And I was like, really? I was like, well, what does it mean in Samoan? She says it means to jump. And I was like, oh, that's it sold. I was like, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. And so, uh, that's cool. you know, I met up with Brett again and I was like, you got any ideas? He's like, nah. And I was like, yo, like we got to do Oso. Like it means to jump. And so, you know, like, yeah. you know, yeah. he's like, all right. And then we, we went with it. And so it's cool. That's perfect. I like cool. the way it, it sounds good. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's cool to have the backstory behind it. Um, Okay, so we'll take one more question from uh, Michael Bennett. Some of my favorite Woodward oh, summers were... <laughs> Mike Bennett, yeah. What's up, brother? I miss you, man. <laughs> he said, some of my favorite Woodward summers were spent during the years Phil spent in PA. What's his favorite w Woodward summer memory? Man, uh, I'm going to give you my favorite Woodward summer memory with you, Mike, because I mean, over seven years, that's like, I don't know, impossible, um, to just immediately have the accurate answer. But I would say, uh, my favorite moment with you was the time that I caught my very first ever fish. Um, Mike Bennett took me fishing and... I'd been fishing like several times growing up and I hated it because every time everybody else would catch except for me. I mean, people would be pulling fish left and right, standing on either side of me and I don't get anything. And so I'm like, this sucks. I hate fishing. And um, Mike was like, no, you gotta come fish with me, man. You'll catch a fish. You'll catch a fish. And I was like, whatever. And uh, <laughs> he took me out to this like stream I was, you know, outside in camp. And sure enough, I caught this little, like, smallmouth bass. This thing had to be, like, like, <laughs> 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 it was, little like, guy. Tiny. I seen bigger fish at Walmart. And uh, it was bait. <laughs> the funny thing is, is uh, I, I never caught a fish. So I'd never learned how you take a fish off the hook. So I look like, you know, one of them little kids you see in the video. I'm like, oh, I'm like, what are you doing? I'm a grown yeah. Man, I'm a yeah. <laughs> with this tiny fish. Little ass like, fish. Yeah. Mike's dying laughing at me, like, you don't know what to do with that thing. Like, <laughs> and so uh for for me, that's my favorite Woodward memory with you, Mike. Very cool. That's a good one. Those are the days, huh? Yeah, man. Those are the days. It was crazy. There's it was it was awesome, like how much there wasn't to do at Woodward. <laughs> And then the things people found to do. <laughs> right. When there's nothing to do, the things you'll come up with, huh? Exactly. <laughs> out yeah. There. yeah, I had never hung out in graveyards until Woodward. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had cooler but, spots to go to. But then realized years later, it's a good place to film a music video. It's a good place. Oh, yeah. There's like quarries <laughs> and like towers and stuff. Like, Oh, the tower. Yeah. Wild times. 
Well, um, Phil, I got to say, it's uh, what are we like a little over two hours, two hours and 15 minutes. It's been an incredible conversation with you. And, uh, you know, honestly, I've known you for a while, but I learned a lot of, even on this podcast uh, after talking with you. And it's cool to hear you like staying so positive and bringing such a good attitude to skating and continue continuing to work on things, doing a DIY, participating in charities, pushing forward for your local scene. It's uh, it's inspirational, man, really. So it's uh, it's it was yep. an honor to have you on today. But before we let you go, I got to ask, do you have any last words, any shout outs, any any thank yous, any any words of wisdom that you would like to uh, say before we go? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, first of all, uh, I'd like to send a very heartfelt thank you to you both, you know, Austin and Billy for having me on the show. It's an incredible honor. And so that's just been amazing. Yeah, it's been a great experience talking with you guys. Thank everyone that watched. Thank everyone that asked questions. Um, and shout out to my sponsors, Pit Viper Sunglasses, Bulletproof Denim. Um, shout out to Blade Carolina. Yeah. Um, and just everybody out there, you know, let's keep rollerblading because we love it. And then let's keep that love in the forefront. All right. And something I got to say, uh, whoever was there at the skate park when Diaby got hit by that skateboarder and the skateboarder said, welcome to LA. You guys are all punks for not whooping his ass. Cause if that shit happened in Charlotte, that shit happened in my city, homeboy would have got smoked. So dude, yeah, that uh, pissed me off seeing that. I, I, I like. I want. Yeah. I don't encourage violence, but in that sense, that dude took out our our fucking homie, one of our best, on purpose, and was a dick about it. If I was there, I would have jumped in that fool's ass. So whoever was there, whoever was there, I'm calling you out. You was a pussy for not whooping his ass, man. You gotta have Diaby's back. So, no, so that man. was that that was that was a disturbing video to to see, and like I, I I agree with you at that uh at that stage I don't think it's um it's 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 a, it's a self defense issue because there's already yeah. been an attack that's been uh, achieved. So that's a hate crime, pretty much. That happened here. That would have been a lynching issue because my crew would have jumped on him. Yo, we don't play that. We fight. No, like yeah, <laughs> that kind of disrespect. Yeah, dude. Like we no, were not, I, I, we not I, to start something, but like if you. If I saw somebody hit Dre like that, it's over. You know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, I'm just I definitely, I, I we, definitely we, had. A, I wish I was there. Situation know, too. We gotta let them know too that we ain't pushovers and we ain't bitches. Yeah, because there's a reason why they respect the rollerbladers in Charlotte. The skateboarders all respect us because they know, they know the second one of them starts something with one of us, you know, we're not gonna be the first ones, but we are gonna end it. So, mm -hmm. you know. I feel like that was an opportunity. <laughs> no, no. When I saw when I saw that on, on on Instagram, I was like, "Why am I never there for those things?" Like, right. I just like wish I was there so bad. Yeah, like, you from uh, New York? Yeah, you. Yeah, you yeah. grew up in this situation, yeah. man. Like, but you know, it's like that, especially like after years of like you know having to even deal with stuff. That was just out, out of control. So, uh, much love to uh, Diaby, man. Like that was uh, really yeah, disturbing real. to see. Yeah. I can't believe that, that shit still exists. He's still. A nice dude. He's such an he's such a cool dude to everybody. Like I got to kick it with him out in Barcelona. <laughs> Amazing dude. Good vibes. Loves skateboarding. Loves rollerblading. Like loves everybody. 
puts on a show for you. Yeah. You know what there I mean? Go. Like he didn't deserve that. And so. No, no way. Yeah. Well, yeah. Huge shout out to Diaki. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that's horrible. And, and you gotta, this, hopefully this hate, like, you know, I know it's dying little by little, but hopefully it just eventually just get, you know, just ends and because there's no space for that kind of attitude or aggression or straight up violence in, in a place that should be a, a place for fun and, and good vibes and good energy and good times. So I completely agree with you. And I just want to say again, thanks for having, for coming on the show yeah, and definitely. like letting like sharing so many stories with us and um, yeah, man, it'll be cool to catch up and uh, hopefully, you know, I, I know I also won't be able to make it, but it'd be cool to make it out to uh rampant camp and hopefully see you coming up this year sometime. Yeah. Yo, you guys coming to Crowder power? I haven't heard of it. What, what is, is it? Yeah. What is that? Crowder power. Um, yeah, I don't want to get the date wrong, but it's in spring, and so uh, it's on Blade calendar. But um, it's in it's going to take place in Raleigh, North Carolina, and so uh, oh, sick! That's right, Blade calendar. Strong scene. They got a strong scene. That's where Oak City is. You know, we got Dylan Hop. You know, Long. Okay. We got some, we got some strong bladers out here. But um, yeah, look out for that contest. It's going to be huge. Two, I think he's giving away like two thousand bucks, something like that. Like, yeah, good prize money. And that so, sounds uh, good. Hell yeah. That's like a, that's going to be a Carolina contest. And so um, definitely wanted to shout that out as well, since that's happening in my state. Cool. There you go, represent. You got to represent. Right. Hell yeah. Local. Yo, but but yeah, Philip, man. Thank you guys so much. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome. Everybody who's watching live, thank you so much. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode we have coming up next week. Philip, take Peace. it easy. Peace. Peace.